What we've got here is failure to communicate. Hello and thanks for listening. I'm Bob. And I'm Brooks. And we're failing to communicate. This is episode 262 of the podcast where we talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts as well as the world of movies, TV, and video games. What up, dog? Not much, man. How are you? I'm great. I'm so glad you asked. And uh, I just wanted to talk to you about a little thing I did last week. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> Before we get into the episode where we're going to review The Shape of Water as well as talk about everything else we've been watching on TV and movie-wise. And we're going to talk about UFC 221 in Australia, UL Romero versus Luke Rockle. But yeah, I just wanted to, uh, last podcast I told you, I had uh, tickets to go see Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds in concert. And, uh, it's like Christmas for you. It was, yeah, I was super pumped up and jazzed about it. Jazzed? Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it was at this place in D.C. called the Anthem, or just Anthem, a brand new venue, uh, like four months old. It came out in October 2017. And, uh, yeah, cool little area. It's all under construction, but the stuff that's done, there's like a Shake Shack. Uh, right there. I've like, always wanted to go to Shake Shack. It's good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I went uh, a couple weeks ago when we went to the Science Center, and then they just so happened to have one here, so I was like, repeat. The sequel. <laughs> sequel's always better. But yep. uh, they had, like, this cool coffee place, and it just walked around a little bit. That was pretty neat. The venue was nice on its own, and uh, the concert itself was awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Noel was on top form. Great set list, played 21 songs, um, my, uh, one of my favorite, I've probably seen, you know, between BDI, Oasis, Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds, I've probably seen them, like, a combined 15 to 20 times. <clears throat> this was definitely in the top tier of performances, in my opinion. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, I just, you know, I loved his new album, and he played eight of the songs from the new album, six Oasis songs six uh songs from his first two cds as a solo artist and then he closed out on all you need is love by the beatles nice do the whole encore yeah yeah, encore with four songs i mean i don't understand why bands still do the encore thing yeah it's pretty played out i guess it's just like a tradition at this point yeah but everyone knows you're coming back they've seen the set lists online and yeah, I'm, I'm a. I'm totally against that looking set lists prior to going to a concert. Uh, I love spoilers and I hate surprises. So, <laughs> I I definitely knew the set list. I'm like telling my sister uh, Sally, shout out, uh, thanks for buying me those tickets for my birthday. Uh, that's the third time in a row. That's just our thing. Every three years, he comes around and we go together to this concert. But it was a lot of fun. Uh, I was like, oh, Wonderwall's coming up. You might want to get your phone ready. To record it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it was awesome. It was really cool. Sweet. So, uh, like 
yeah, I took some pictures and videos so I could show Mackenzie because she liked she likes Noel, she likes Weezer, and I wanted her to see what a concert was like. You know, I kind of wish I could take her, but she's still too young. But yeah. maybe Sounds next. Like, I could taste the music. Yeah, well, when you shove it down their throats, they kind of have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, she does. She likes she likes good stuff. But uh, doesn't fall too far from the tree. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But uh, you did something as well. Yeah, what was it? Not this past Saturday, the Saturday before. Me, cousin Charlie, and my buddy Jesse. Uh, it's kind of out of nowhere. My cousin Charlie called me and asked me if I wanted to go to the Maryland game, and uh, I hadn't been to one in I don't know ten years. Um, Maryland that, basketball. Yeah, Maryland college basketball sports. game. Yeah, college. It was a twelve o'clock game. We played Northwestern. It was awesome. I loved going down there to the stadium. Uh, they got like championship trophy out there. They even have like uh, like the a section of the court from the women's final four one year and. All kinds of like the cool Hall of Fame to check out before the game. Uh, we played Northwestern and demolished them. And yeah, we actually played good. Game. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean, I'm not like a huge college basketball game. Our family in general is pretty big into college basketball. Yeah, we could so always do the go. March Madness brackets and the yeah, and you always definitely. lose. And so it's not like I don't know anything about it. So it was cool uh, to go to. Uh, nice little surprise. Yeah, I, uh, last time I went to a, a Maryland basketball game, I believe it was with Charlie as well, and uh, it was just me and him, and it was a Duke game, I can't remember the year, probably like three or four years ago maybe, and yeah. uh, we won like in the last seconds, or, you know, it was like a huge, huge win, kind of an upset, won by like one or two points at the last minute we might have hit a bucket and then defended them at the last second we rushed the court uh yeah ACC games were awesome wait Kinda actually sucks we're not in <laughs> i feel like no because uh, i rushed the court the time before that when i went with your dad and sam to nc state we were like literally like first or second row in a student section i don't know how i can't remember how or why i got that good of tickets but again yeah. we won on a buzzer beater or something like that it was a big upset the one year nc state was good and we rushed to court. So then when when we beat Duke, I was like, Chuck, let's rush to court. But our seats were like on the second level. So we were like running around to go back <laughs> to the first level. But by the time we got to like uh, the front, I was like, uh, it's probably too late. Let's just leave and beat the traffic. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, always fun times. And I've been very lucky the last two times I went. Yeah, definitely, and I was like glad we played good and beat Northwestern because the season Maryland's been pretty awesome at losing in the, like the last minute or so. So it was yeah. refreshing. It's been a game. bad year with injuries and and our coach. I'm just not. He's a good recruiter, but he's just not getting the job done here late in games. But uh, we seem to just fall apart. It's going to yeah. take a miracle for us to make the tournament, but I, I'm glad you at least got to see us win a game. Yeah, definitely, it was fun. Yeah. Uh, a couple more things before we get into the episode proper, but uh, I wanted to give a shout-out to big friend of the show, Edgar Chaput. He just started a new podcast with his co-host Matthew, uh, James Bond, pod, excuse me, Jesus, podcast called The Bond Complex. Uh, it's on iTunes. You've, if you've heard him on here, you know he's he's a big Bond fan. He knows what he's talking about. He's a great speaker. He's just, uh, you know, just... Uh, Someone you should follow. 
if you liked him on here, you'll definitely like him on this podcast. I don't even, I've never even seen a Bond movie before, the Daniel Craig movies, and I've subscribed. And I, I listened to the first episode, and they did a great job. So, uh, congrats, congratulations Golden. to those guys. Uh, everybody should go subscribe, rate, and review their podcast on iTunes. Yeah, check that out. Goldeneye is one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah, I think they gave some props to that in the first episode when they kind of just set up their fandom and what they're going to be doing. And yeah, there's two episodes out. You probably like it. I'll give it a listen. Yeah, I definitely have to listen to that. Yeah, that's the Bond complex once again. Sweet. And uh, yeah, last thing before we get into this will help us segue into the MMA section of the podcast. But uh, I wrote an article first time in a couple of months for Baltimore Sports and Life. I'll link to it in the. Uh, in the show notes, but basically, I did, after UFC 221, I feel like you know I hadn't wrote an article in a in a couple months, and I'd been doing it after every pay per view, but there just hasn't been anything giving me the uh, uh, anything worth writing about motivation to like just <laughs> really want to you know because plus I was got busy around the holidays and then. After the holidays, I was kind of out of that mode and worked some overtime yeah. days. And, like, I just – it was a situation where it would have took something to motivate me to write. But uh, I finally found the motivation, and I'm sure the <laughs> the UFC wouldn't be happy with what I wrote. But <laughs> I'm still, uh, still a big fan, but my article is titled The UFC's Pay-Per-View Problem. And it's maybe a, a bit of an overstatement, but I basically just laid out – what what the problem is going on right now in the UFC and why it seems like there's been some lackluster events lately despite, you know, they have these super events like uh, 217 in Madison Square Garden, 205, 214, and just the problems that causes when you put so many eggs in one basket. Basically, I kind of looked at the evidence and not, you know, it's only been like a year or two since the new owners came in and started doing this, but it seems like after one of these mega events where they put like three title fights and load up the rest of the card with awesome fights, yeah, that is an amazing event, you know, and it's like a night to remember, but then that gives you like a two or three month dead zone, dead period where just it's going to be lackluster events, pay-per-views, because contractually they need, or I don't know about... um for the pay-per-views, I don't know if that's contractual or if that's like their own decision, but they do like 12 or 13 pay-per-views a year. They have so many shows they need to to withhold their deal with Fox. So by using up all these, you know, name fighters, top-tier fighters in one event, they are leaving themselves, you know, with not much room to go, like to, uh, unless someone's going to make a quick turnaround, you know, or they get lucky... They don't really have much to offer in the immediate aftermath. Yeah, and definitely their fighters haven't been helping them out either. With, I mean, they put GSP against Bisping, and then GSP promptly bows out. John Jones' is well-documented troubles. Anderson Silva failing the test again. Yeah. Uh, definitely that, have not been done any favors by some big names. That is kind of a, a fair observation, but at the same time, they kind of created the monster, too, by... Uh, yeah. You know, now fighters are starting to hold out more and negotiate more because, you know, it's been proven that it has worked recently. And and the injuries, I mean, the injuries are always there. And like I yeah. said in the article, I kind of 
And I don't even know if I, like I said, again, I'm just repeating what I wrote, but like, I don't even necessarily like have a problem with this strategy. It's just that it, with their current TV deal, it doesn't necessarily work out too well because, you know, they have to have, they have basically a show every week or three or three times a a month. So if they could, if they had a different, like in the next TV deal, if they can kind of sign the TV deal and fit it to, you know, work around this strategy. I think it could work, you know, have less shows, but have them be bigger shows and... Yeah, give them some more flexibility. Right. But, uh, yeah, I kind of lost... They also, like, have a bad habit of using these really bad bullying tactics. I mean, they've done it with Demetrius Johnson, their most winningest champion. I mean... And Tyron Woodley's the welterweight champion. They could not shit on him any more than they have recently. It's like right. I mean, let the fans think what they want to think. You should be pumping these guys up, no matter what. You're trying to yeah. promote them. Like let the the fans will use them as, that way. You know the fans hate them, but you know they're going to watch to because they want to see him get knocked out or something. Yeah, definitely. You know, but like I even thought that the new strategy that they did this year, where they made you know the pay per view and. January, February, March, like super top heavy where it was UFC 220. You had the heavyweight and light heavyweight championships. Great fights, but then, you know, almost not that there's not good fights underneath, but no name value, no fights that are going to make people buy the pay-per-view. And then 221, you had Whitaker versus Rockhold set. Obviously that changed, but excuse me. And then uh, Holloway versus Edgar for March. And of course that that got scrapped as well. Yeah, like something happens there. They go scrambling. I love those fights, and those fights would have been enough for me to buy the pay per view. But one injury, and it's like boom, done. Yeah. So it's, it's just crazy. Now we get to see Cyborg fight some no name. <laughs> well, awesome. She's not. I mean, yeah, she is a no name to UFC fans, but she, I mean, she's kind of a veteran. A young veteran in the women's MMA game. She's fought Invicta. She was Invicta champion. I mean, of course, she's probably going to lose. And uh, Cyborg will probably style on her. But I don't know. I don't hate that fight. It's just, you know, they obviously were planning on doing Cyborg versus Nunes in Brazil. And now that plan gets changed. Yeah. And uh, I am excited for Frank Yeager versus Brian Ortega, though. That should be a pretty fun matchup. Yeah, definitely. That's the people's main event right there. Yeah, really. But, uh, yeah, all right, let's talk about UFC 221 itself, which, like we said, was supposed to be Whitaker versus Rockhold, but Whitaker got, like, diverticulitis. No, uh, he... Was it? No. It was a staph infection in stomach. It is. I was trying to do a Brock Lesnar reference there. (laughs) uh, Yeah, he got a really bad staph infection in his stomach, which... Is awful. Like that is just terrifying to think about. Yeah, uh, it sounds. It sounds like he's gonna be gone a while. But right. Apparently, it's gonna go well. Yeah, and then on top of that, he got chicken pox um, as an adult, which can really mess you up. So, yeah, hearts out to him because I really like Robert Whitaker. He was like my breakout fighter of the year, one of my top three fighter of the male fighter of the year candidates at the award yeah. show, and just a fun fighter to watch. A young That's fighter. My Middleweight right now. Yeah, the guy who I think could be could hold on to the belt for a while. So hope he gets better. 
So then, yeah, Yoel Romero, who was originally scheduled to fight David Branch at this Fox card this coming up weekend, he got the call, late notice, and then promptly missed weight. <laughs> Which, I mean, he's never missed weight before. It was kind of, you know, the fight was two weeks sooner than he was supposed to fight. It's really, for me, it's hard to blame him. I suppose. I mean, I think it's like when you get a title shot on short notice like that, and you only miss by two and a half pounds or so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess there is the risk of running like medical problems, cutting those two and a half more pounds. But well, apparently he tried. I never liked Oh, did he? Yeah, he said for the first, like, he didn't, he just wasn't, nothing was coming off. I guess, you know, his body was in red alert or whatever. Yeah, they just stopped sweating. But, uh, but it just, I mean, I've never liked Joel Romero, and this didn't do him any favors. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm not the biggest fan myself, but uh, I don't know. It's hard to, if it happens again, then it's a trend. But, I mean, he, literally, he's never missed weight. So, yeah. And he was doing Having the UFC that, a favor. But, man, what a performance. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, having said that, not liking Yo Romero, uh, I fought basically the only person I think I like less than <laughs> Exactly. It's <laughs> funny how much you root for someone you previously hated when they fight Luke Rockhold. <laughs> Michael Bisbing, I never cheered so hard for when he, right. fought, when he knocked out Luke Rockhold. And, man, it just does not get old when people knock him out. So great. He's just the most cocky, asinine person. Oh, ever. yeah. And, uh, man, he got obliterated. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I mean, that the first overhand was a big shot. And he was just kind of, like, dazed against the fence. And you could see on the replay, the ref is, like, sprinting to try to, like, get in between him. But he's just too far away, too late. Romero hits him with, like, an Engano powerful uppercut yeah. and just done oh my god it was it disgusting. twice on the ground too i think they, i don't even remember that i just remember the uppercut yeah. and being like oh like it, was, looked, it looked almost similar to the bisping knockout where he got hit and, yeah, and hit again and exactly fell. yeah i guess that's just his weakness that left overhand over, yeah and again luke well not again i didn't say that but luke he's a big middleweight and he has to cut a lot of weight, too. And apparently, you know, it's taking its toll on him. So he might be moving up to light heavyweight yeah. shortly. Perfect opportunity. And I thought he good. looked terrible in this fight. Yeah, I agree. The whole time I felt something was weird. Something was off. And I don't know yeah. if it was those checked kicks, like, very early on. But I that was not the Luke Rockhold I was used to watching. Yeah. Like, that is not the guy that demolished Chris Weidman. You know, yeah. like that. He was so tentative. He was just kind of like. It's like real lack days. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I, then again, he was like the same way when he lost to Bisping. It's he just true. Cocky and lack days go on. Yeah, and it's true. And uh, he kind of was getting lit up a little bit by David Branch until he took matters into his own hands in the second yeah. round. So maybe. I don't know. Maybe I think this he just is... severely underestimates everybody lately. Or this. I mean, has something taken its punishment? I mean, he trains at AKA. You know how the injury history goes there. Well, he didn't train at AKA for this fight. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, he has for a long time, so. Yeah, I don't know. But, it's just kind of weird because the rock hold that I remember was like a beast. And, yeah, uh, super aggressive, great kicks, great. And just, 
I think this is the new normal for Rockhold, and the guy is like a shark. <laughs> like, but basically, when he's standing, aka on land, he's harmless. But yeah. you get you get into the water with him on the ground, and you're done. Oh yeah, he's got an incredible ground game. In but how how are you going to get such a big middleweight lends itself to that? Yeah, and how are you going to get Yoel Romero, Olympic wrestler, on the ground? So yeah, should have known. I predicted Rockhold to win, but. Although I think Whitaker took you over downs. Well, Whitaker's a fucking beast. Yeah, that's true. No, it probably was like in the fourth or fifth round when he was kind of gassed. Gassed, yeah. But, uh. But, I mean, this Luke Rockhold was, uh. This did not do him any favors. This is. Certainly not, yeah. Um. I saw Alexander Gustafson called him out, said, if you. Really? If you want to come up to 205. I'll welcome you or some, you know. That would be crazy, yeah, for sure. Uh, I would be interested in Luke going up to 205. I feel like we've said this about most middleweights at some point, that they're going to have to go up to light heavyweight soon. It's basically all these weight classes are going to shift up, right, (laughs) because the new rules are going to be put in place, and all featherweights are going to have to fight at lightweight, lightweights are going to have to fight at welterweight. But uh, I'm okay with it. Fight at your next yeah, weight. Or like yeah. maybe like a rock hold Weidman rematch. At light heavyweight, yeah. 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 But if he what if he stayed what do you think though? Like either way. Give me both options. If he stays at middleweight and if he goes to light heavyweight, what do you what would you like to see? I don't know. Who's at middleweight right now? He just spawned Jacare again, didn't he? No, he still hasn't rematched Jacare, but Jacare's coming off a big win. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I would say <laughs> it's too bad Gegard Musasi left, huh? Yeah, right. That would be great. I mean, yeah. Uh, who just lost? Uh, <laughs> talk about really... Machida. Oh God! No, I don't know. I guess <laughs> I really would like to see Luke move up to light heavyweight because I feel like even a guy like OSP, like that, would be an interesting first fight for him. You know, or whoever wins between Latifi and OSP this weekend. I just hope, even even though I hate his guts so bad, and he's probably like one of my top three least favorite fighters right now, maybe ever. I, I don't want him to retire. I mean, I don't want him to go away because I like watching him get knocked out. So, and, and I appreciate his talent. He is obviously a talented guy. But uh, as for Romero, apparently he's getting a title shot. Yeah, which uh, I can't wait for him to lose and just be done and fall out of the picture. I'm done. Sick of hearing about him. Sick of watching him fight. See, I'm never sick of watching him fight. As much as I don't like him, it's not really. It's because he's just. It's the shit that he pulls outside after the fight. Before. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, what was he doing? What was he doing with Luke after the fight? He's like all up in his face after Luke just he knocked him out and he's like kissing him on the cheek and saying, Luke, I love you, I love you. Like, what are you doing? Definitely a prompt like cultural and language barrier with this guy. But yeah, yeah, certainly. And I don't mean to like pick on him for that reason, yeah, but no. it's like have some self awareness, brother. <laughs> like yeah. even when he was like yelling like whispering, Hey boy <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I don't know. It's like it's starting to grow on me a little bit. Like it's almost just like it's funny, <laughs> you know. Like yeah, uh, 
But I just he's... don't like it's just like such a monstrous uh, physique. I feel like he's that's fishy. He's forty two years old. I mean, forty one. Forty one. Uh, now I know that you saw in all that. And it's tough to say without evidence, but you just got. I, I don't like. I don't like his fighting style to begin with. I'll let that alone. But. You got it. Oh, you don't like an exciting uh, guy who finishes all his fights in the third round, late knockouts. Yeah, that's pretty fucking dumb. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, you got to get over the Usada thing. You just got to assume everyone's cheating or assume no one's cheating. You can't let that bother you. I guess not. I I mean, nothing you can do can change it. It is what it is. You're right. All right, you love Romero. Yep. <laughs> no, I do like watching him fight because there is always a threat and he's going to pull off some crazy shit. Yeah, yeah I he, mean... He's not a fast like pace. Elon Weidman was sick. I wouldn't have to give him that. Oh, he has so many highlight reels. But it's not like, you know, he he works in bursts. He'll do nothing, nothing, nothing. And then burst, 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 burst. Nothing, yeah. nothing, nothing. Yeah, so I can, that could maybe not be everyone's cup of tea, but... It's exciting, especially when he uppercuts Luke Rockwell's head into the into the stands. But <laughs> uh, I'm even though I do think he's earned a shot, even despite not winning the interim. Much like had that title fight at 206 between Holloway and Pettis, if Pettis would have won, he wouldn't have got the title because he missed weight. Even yeah. even though he doesn't have the belt, I do think he earned a shot at the real title. It's just unfortunate that, you know, it's, it's a match. It was Whitaker's last fight. Like, yeah, you would kind of like to see him fight someone fresh and new first, but at the same time, everyone at the top of middleweight is only on a one fight win streak coming off like consecutive losses. Like, uh, Jock Ray, he lost to Whitaker and you and Romero. And he just knocked out Brunson, one win. Weidman, three-fight losing streak to Rockhold, Romero, and Musasi. And then he beat Gastelum. He's on one-fight yeah. win streak. Gastelum, you know, he lost to, to Weidman, but then he beat Bisbing. So I don't know what you do. Yeah. So it makes sense to me that Romero would get the shot because, there's, I mean, there's really no other... GSB comes back in a surprise. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know how well Romero, Whitaker 2 will sell. I thought the first fight was great, and I'd be happy to watch another one. But I don't know if they can make that the main event of a show. That probably have to be been a, a whole lot better Kobe. if they had fake belts put on Romero. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I guess they could throw it on uh, 226 in July as, like, the third title fight yeah, or something. Make it a co- co-main to a bigger title fight or something. But I'm, I want to see the fight. just don't yeah. think they can make it the main event. It would have been, like, a lot better if it was in Australia like this was. But Yeah, and you know they're not going to set that up again. No, anytime soon. Not. Uh, as far as 221 overall, uh, here's how I measure uh, these these pay-per-views. If it's a good pay-per-view, like 220 was, or 27, obviously 217, or 
even 218. I have a couple people on the regular, you know, the regular people come over to my house and we we split yeah. the pay-per-view costs and we buy it at home. If it's a lesser pay-per-view, like 221, uh, go to Buffalo Wild Wings <laughs> and watch it on their TVs while we eat some uh, street tacos or whatever. <laughs> that is what I eat at Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> and uh, this was a definite Buffalo Wild Wings event. Honestly, on paper, this is probably one of the worst UFC pay-per-views of all time. Yeah, it was uh, underwhelming at best. <laughs> but having said that, this was an uh, on paper like on paper it sucked, but in practice, it was a really fun, great event. Like there was no disappointing fights; they were all yeah. good. Like, and like I wrote, <laughs> I'm going to keep referencing that article. <laughs> uh, you know, that's just the nature of the sport. You know, it's this MMA where you, you know, these matchmakers are good at their jobs, even though they might not be household names. They know what they're doing. They know how to create close, exciting fights. Either, either or, close or like a fight where they're trying to showcase somebody. So, you know, that's cool. That's why I love the sport, and I will continue to watch yeah. all the events regardless. In reality, this is like this is UFC. Every if you're in there, you're the top of the top of right. the sport. So exactly, and uh, yeah, man, it was it was a fun night of fights. It's unfortunate that um, you know they couldn't have. <sighs> Done a better job. Get a couple more main card worthy fights. Keep some yeah. of these great fights on here to really showcase them. Lead in. I don't know. Unfortunate, yeah. but the co-main event saw Curtis Blades defeat Mark Hunt by unanimous decision. Uh, he got just dazed. Popped. He got yeah. He got popped in the, <laughs> in the first round. Jesus, I'm sorry. I just kicked my desk. Uh, I thought the fight was over for sure. Curtis Blades was on wobbly legs. Looked like he went f- for a desperation takedown, but he got it. He got recomposed, and he dominated that fight from that point on. Yeah. I thought it was a very impressive performance. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's definitely Mark Hunt's Achilles heel. But not really. Uh, I heard a stat that, you know, in the past, since he learned how to, you know, wrestle defensively and, and have some takedown defense. Like, uh, that was the most he's ever been taken down. The, the only two other times that he was taken down multiple times in a fight was against Stipe Miocic. And uh, who was the other one? Let me look, just look at his little profile here. It was Stipe and... Dun, 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 dun. Brock Lesnar? Maybe. Could have been. Someone, yeah. it was one other person, anyway. But, uh, and Blades had the most. Like, it's, it's basically this per, this stat was saying, like, Mark Hunt, he actually has pretty decent takedown defense. So. Yeah. And Blades yes. is young, like, legitimately young for a heavyweight. And he's improved a lot. Since, uh, yeah, it was it's super impressive getting caught like that by Mark Hunt and then composed, recomposing yourself. Though. Not only cool. that, this is a guy whose first UFC fight was against Francis Ngannou, and he did not get knocked out. He survived. I mean, he got Dr. Stoppage via cut between the second and third round, but you know he didn't get TKO'd or knocked out yeah. or anything. So clearly the guy has a chin. 
Is he ranked? I believe he is. Um, yeah. UFC rankings are meaningless, so I'm not even going to look it up. True that. But, uh, <laughs> Especially at heavyweight. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I like Blades. It's a great name, Curtis Blades. It is good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think he's not far from a title shot, honestly. Yeah, well, I, we'll see with the heavyweight division being tied up for the rest of the year, basically. Yeah. At least that champion. Sure. True. I would give him... Uh, I wouldn't give... I don't know if I'd give him Cain Velasquez in his comeback fight. That might be a bit <laughs> much, but uh, maybe the winner of Verdum versus Volkov or... Something along those lines. I mean, he's not far from a title shot. Yeah. But I would yeah, not. Um, I would not give. Although, him. how impressive would that be if you fought Kane and put a weapon on him? Yeah, that would be crazy. That would be definite title shot worthy. Yeah. I don't want to see him fight Derek Lewis, though. No. No, because he'll just take him down and win. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> and we want to keep Derek Lewis standing up because that's exciting. Yeah, As we'll get to, interviews are <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that later. <laughs> but uh, Mark Hunt, I mean, this is another loss for Hunto here. Dude, his record is almost like five hundred. Thirteen and twelve. Yeah, but he is still one of the best. Besides that, oh yeah, sure. I mean, he's, he's one of my favorite heavyweights. I always root against him, like I was telling you. But what can he do? Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, his his disputes with the UFC are well known. What do you think? It's paid pretty well these days, though. Yeah, I don't know. What... <laughs> I don't know what... <laughs> uh, it's part of the reason why I root against him. It's like talk out of both sides. Although of I mean, he has been fighting for like at least twenty years, so I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. You know, yeah. I'm just saying, like, I don't know. There's a lot of weirdness with that. Like, you literally said. You can't remember things, all this stuff, and then you get mad when they pull you from a card. Uh, I don't know. I can see both sides, but it kind of makes me not like either side. Yeah, I agree. But it's I feel like there's been plenty of examples of that, and UFC just acted uh, on that because of the speech they've been. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see him continue. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, of course I'd like to see him like to his brain is most timing. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> That's a strong statement. But yeah, no, it's kind of true. I mean, that's what they're doing out there. That's why I'm really hoping this new um, Spearhead project, Spearhead, that uh, Leslie Smith is getting trying to get started up. I hope it works out. Seems like yeah. the most legitimate uh, attempt at you know, unionizing these fighters. So just heard yes. her on Ariel's show today. I was listening to it and uh, really, really hope that gets going because I don't know if it's a real sport, they should be treated like a real sport with the union, just like yeah, I mean, baseball. Every football. other major sport has a player's union. <laughs> yeah. If you want to be taken seriously and we know they do, you gotta, you gotta make it happen. I don't know. I don't think the UFC really cares about that. Oh, no business wants that, but yeah. from a money-making purpose. But if you legitimately want to be a sport that is, you know, taken seriously, it's probably what's best for everybody. Yeah, but the, no, the U.S. You would rather just put on some shitty uniform program. Yeah, that's but, how they get taken seriously. But they are independent contractors. Yeah, <laughs> like what? 
Um, other fights on this card that I made fun of going into but ended up being awesome. Let's go. Um, Tai Tuivasa, another really young heavyweight. Uh, TKO'd Cyril Asker in the first round. I mean, Cyril Asker is n- nothing. I mean, he's not great, but Tai Tuivasa is a guy to keep your eye on. This is like, he looks like Mark Hunt 15 years ago. Really? 20 years ago. I don't know how old Mark Hunt is, but uh, yeah, he's like this pudgy guy who, you know, he doesn't look like he'd be as athletic as he is. I mean, this guy is out here just with awesome striking and really just dominated Asker in, in style and then drank beer out of a shoe on the way back to the locker room. That's classy. Yeah, that's Australian for you. <laughs> that's so good, gross. Good day, mate. I'm going to drink this beer out of this shoe here. It's my classic Australian accent I'm so good at. Yep. Uh, Jake Matthews defeated Li Jing Lang by unanimous decision. This one fight of the night, which I don't know if you heard about the controversy in this fight. I did not. Uh, Matthews, who was a a young Australian fighter who's had his ups and downs. Was he eye gouging? No, he got eye gouged. Uh, he had Jing Lang in a deep rear naked choke. And the guy is just like, I'm just going to stick my fingers into your eye <laughs> like I'm <laughs> having a good night with my girlfriend or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and the ref is like, hey, stop that. Taps, <laughs> taps his hand like, come on. No, don't do that. Are you like, oh, I'm, everyone's already talked about this on every other MMA podcast, but it is insane that the fight, you know, he didn't stand him up, he didn't take a point, he didn't disqualify him, nothing. And then Li Jing Liang gets $50,000 as part of the fight on a night bonus. Like, hey, there you go. Justice. Yeah, but Jake Matthews looked good. Uh, still a young guy. He He's kind of like the, the original Australian Sage Northcutt in the sense that he made his UFC de- debut at 19. He was kind of, you know, wow, he's so young and he's so athletic, you know. And then he suffered some losses, and but he's he steadily improved himself, and he looked certainly his best in this fight because Li Jinglang is actually a pretty good fighter himself. So big win for him. Tyson Pedro had a sixth submission of Safarbag Safarov. In the main event uh, opening fight, he um, dominated him and then got him on the ground. Actually, he looked like he was going to get uh, be on the bottom of a wrestling exchange. And he kind of just flipped it slickly into a Kimura and he got the job done. That was pretty good. Tyson Pedro, light heavyweight prospect to watch out for. Comments? Concerns? Uh, yeah, I want to see John Jones fighting his return. <laughs> Moving on to um, <laughs> uh, the next John Jones, as a lot of people are saying. Israel Adesanya. I mean, this guy has superstar potential. This was his UFC debut, coming over from a kickboxing back background. Um, I He's only he's 28. He's 12-0 now uh, in MMA since coming over. 
And the guy has... His nickname is The Last Stylebender, based off the Avatar show. Like, yeah. A thing. Uh, the guy is just sick striking. Like, he looks like Anderson Silva out there. Striking. Like age. I mean, everyone keeps comparing him to Anderson Silva and John Jones, and he's like, uh, just because I'm black doesn't mean... <laughs> You know, I mean, a guy, and he makes a point. Like, I heard him on the MMA Hour today. He's just a charismatic guy. He said, this is just a tip. Pretty soon I'm going to shove the whole thing in. Like, he's he's a soundbite machine. He's he's pretty fun. He said after, oh, he TKO'd uh, Rob Wilkinson in the second round with strikes. But it was just the first round, Wilkinson tried to clinch him, wrestling him. And he kept clinging him against the cage, but he could never take him down. And then in the second round, I mean, it was just Adesanya pieced him up, just, you know, expertly took care of business. But after the fight, he said, he said something like, uh, I'm the new dog in the middleweight pen or something, and I just pissed all over this cage. <laughs> like, now you know who I am, blah, 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 blah. But I don't want to get too ahead of myself because let's see if he can win two fights in a row in the UFC first, but the guy has, like, legitimate potential on the mic, in the cage, the style, everything. This guy could be the real deal. So, keep your eyes out. Keep your eyes peeled. <laughs> Another uh, prospect who was incredibly impressive was Alex Volkanovsky, who defeated Jeremy Kennedy by TKO in the second round. Again, this is a young guy. Also, who knew Australia, New Zealand had this many like legit prospects? Yeah, uh, 155 pound division. I want to say. I mean, this guy looked like That's the all. Huh? It's does weight. Is he? Yep. Oh, even better. <laughs> He's like uh, the Australian version of Khabib. Like. Oh really? Yeah, I mean, he just like relentless pressure, take you down and beat you up. While, you know, in the process, all along the way. So, another name to remember. Uh, a fight that we couldn't believe was buried all the way down on the early prelims, but uh, Juicy A. Formiga defeated Ben Nguyen by rear naked choke in the third round. Great performance by uh, Juicy A. Da Silva, Formiga. The guy who I've always enjoyed. He's a fun guy to watch. Great undersold. Yeah, and uh, I feel like he's like the one guy that's been around that is legitimately good at flyweight that hasn't got a title shot yet. So I'm hoping that gets resolved soon. But he had a slick finish here. He hit with like a spinning back fist, knocked Nguyen down, and then jumped on his back and choked him out. That's pretty good. That's pretty much all that's worth talking about with UFC 221. So, let's move on to this past Sunday night in Austin, Texas. UFC Fight Night 126. I was, like, all mad on Sunday. I thought I had missed the card. Oh, yeah. And I figured out it was on Sunday, and then I missed most of it anyway. <laughs> yeah, weird, I guess, because President's Day that they decided to do that. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I prefer. I mean, I watched it either way, so... Yeah, I mean, this is, was a good card to have on a Sunday, I feel like. Yeah, nothing too great, but some fun fights on there. Some some guys you recognize their names and faces. 
in the main event. <laughs> <laughs> no comment from Brooks. Don, <laughs> Donald Cerrone got off the schneid, rectified his three-fight losing streak by knocking out Yancey Medeiros by TKO punches in the first round with like two seconds to spare. And yeah. then Yancey hops the cage and goes and kisses Cowboy's grandma on the mouth. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. Pushed through the commentators for a loop. Yeah, it did. blew my mind because it's been like a very well documented thing that Cerrone's grandmother's like the biggest fan. And they were like, his mother knows something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Jimmy Smith, I know you knew from around here. Well, you got to know Cowboy's grandma. Right. No, um, what did you think? You saw this one. You you talk. I uh, I was very, very happy to see Don Cerrone get back on the winning streak. However, I mean, it was like classic Cerrone style where like, he even said himself he comes out slow. And I don't know what the fuck it is with him uh, being like first-round jitters or whatever. Um, but he eventually got the job done. I mean, he caught Yancey with a sick combo, but... This was a great fight. I mean, Yancey Medeiros is an exciting fighter. Of course, Don Serrani always brings it. Um, I would have been a slight. It would. Have, I mean, it wasn't. I don't think the stoppage was bad at all, but it, it probably would have been a fun second round. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a fun round. It was. A, it was a cool fight to make. I think it made sense. You know, given where Serrani was at, I didn't think he looked. Completely back to himself. No. But uh, this at least eased my worries that he was the next Diego Sanchez. I don't think he's he's there yet. I mean, no. clearly still got some life in him. Can can still put some pretty awesome combinations together and as tough as they come. It's just he seems a little more hittable nowadays. No. Like He got tagged a couple times here. Yeah. yeah. But he's just tough enough and Medeiros doesn't probably punch as hard as Darren Till does so he was able to withstand it and just do what he normally does which is you know when he's Donald Cerrone tied I, at least he said I don't know if it's factual it's tied, factual yeah uh, most wins in UFC history which is crazy with when you think back to how many losses Cerrone also has in the UFC and the fact that he didn't make his UFC debut until 2011 yeah. And I mean, GSP had been fighting since, like, 83. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he also tied the record for most finishes in UFC history. Wow. With 14, I want to say. So, yeah, that's pretty insane. And I'm I'm kind of excited. Now, counting the WEC also? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't think so. I don't think so either. I think he has like 30 UFC fights or close to it. Yeah. In like seven years. <laughs> that is insane. Uh, I'm excited because he won and he didn't take much damage. And I'm thinking about going to that Atlantic City card and I would not be surprised to see him show up on there. He did say so he said he's going back to 155, I believe. No, he, yeah, he said he wants to fight Khabib. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, does he not realize he's got a bigger fight booked? I don't know. <laughs> he knows maybe he'll stay ready. He also said he wanted the UFC to start a 165 division for him. Yeah. Good Which, luck. sure, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not in favor of that, but uh, yeah. 
What are you going to do? Uh, I think the gap would be between 170 and 185 if they ever did it, which I doubt they will. I mean, I can I can see the case for it, but I kind of buy into Luke Thomas's argument where thinning out these divisions is not going to make the problems we already face with uh, scheduling and, and all that yeah. stuff any better. Yeah. So The only thing that would help is weight cutting and stuff like that. Right, which, you know, maybe one day, but don't just do it on a whim. Kind of build towards yeah. it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, Medeiros, I don't know. He'll just go back to the pack. He's, yeah. a, he's a fun fighter. He's not good enough to be top 15, in my opinion. Yeah, but mean, I like the guy. I mean, he seems like a fun fighter. Yeah, absolutely. Seems like a good dude. Uh, he definitely be on the Hawaii card if they ever bring it there. For sure, for sure. He always brings it. He's tough as nails. He's always there to throw down. So glad he at least yeah. got one main event shot in his career. Yeah. But in the co-main event... Derek Lewis, my boy, our boy, <laughs> knocked out Marcin Tybura in the third round and pretty awesome yeah. comeback, man. Pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, he looked like he was fucked. Yeah, he looked great in the first round, right? Uh, beat him up, looked like he was going to knock him out. It was a pretty awesome, uh, you know, moment where Tybura's on his back. He kind of, like, yanks his foot to shove him off of him and then immediately clobbers him. And it, I thought the fight was over. Yeah. But then Tybura survived, wrestled him for the end of that round and the entirety of the second round. Looked like it was just going to be, you know, Tybura wins a decision by wrestling him in uh, yeah. a tight yeah, Derek Lewis in the last two rounds. But Lewis found a way to get to his feet in that third round and he just, man, he has sick power. Yeah, I mean, it's disturbing. Yeah. That must suck to get hit by him. And the thing is, he carries that power even when he is dead tired. Yeah. We've seen it before. I mean, me and my We've dad watched this fight, and the, like, the slow motion replays of that combo at the end was just like, I mean, I felt my brain rattle watching Yeah, it. oh my God. And we've seen it. We've seen where he is exhausted, but he's just, he, for some reason, he can put that power behind it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the fight that needs to happen more than any fight, Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou, let's fucking go. <laughs> that would be awesome. It makes all the sense in the world. It does. I mean, come on. Who would... Uh, Jesus. Just the power. Just get Anthony Johnson in there and have it be a three-way match for... <laughs> you know, like, the power... Slabanaka. Yeah. Anyway, Tybura, solid fighter. Obviously, probably wins the majority of the time against Derek Lewis. It's just because Derek yeah. Lewis can't wrestle. It's I mean, he's pull. he's pretty yeah, decent at getting up though. Like, he doesn't panic. Yeah, first as tired as he looks and all. Like, yeah, he's pretty hard to hold down. Yeah. For long, anyway. And uh, yeah, he kind of just stands up <laughs> even though I don't know it's kind of weird the way he gets up but I love Derek Lewis just don't feed him to a wrestler we want to want to keep it staying like I said no Curtis Blades here yeah. I like to see an Alistair Overeem fight maybe but no Francis Ngannou yeah, I feel like uh, Alistair Overeem could not take his punches these days <laughs> if he ever could <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> We know how that story probably goes. Yeah, right. Alistair Overeem dead on the mat. How about Derek Lewis 
versus Luke Rockhold. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, James Vick defeated Francisco Trinaldo. Oh, hold on. We're not going to talk about Derek Lewis's incredible oh. performance on the mic. Yeah, how could I forget? <laughs> he, he does it again. <laughs> he has done it yet again. The man is a, is a gift with words. He had said, I guess, pre-fight that his wife hit him with the sex ban after the Ronda Rousey comments he made. <laughs> yeah. Well, first he shit on Bellator and Jimmy Smith. <laughs> yeah. Saying, uh, I don't know what you see in Bellator, but, you know, this is UFC. <laughs> and that probably talks about, shout out to his wife, he goes, Get ready, I'm going in deep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty crazy. And immediately after he says that, they cut to Nate Diaz, who has a joint in his mouth, and goes to light it off, light it up. They cut before he does. <laughs> Incredible yeah. moment on yeah. live TV. Definitely and the most memorable I, thing I, of the night. I watched the rebroadcast of this fight, actually, and they left all that in. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, on the rebroadcast, I thought they would have cut some of that out. Nope, they left it whole. Yeah, well, get the people talking. Yeah. No, that was that was pretty crazy. Um, might might be in the running for moment of the year at the awards show, yeah. <laughs> twenty nineteen. Have to write this one down so we remember it. Yeah, absolutely. I always keep a running tally. But what is up, James Vick? Uh, the guy who just can't get any damn respect around here. He <laughs> defeated Francisco Trinado by unanimous decision. Uh, wasn't the most exciting fight to watch in the world. James Vick was smart, though. I mean, he he fought tough in the first two rounds. Probably, like, fairly close, but he pretty clearly won those rounds. So he pretty much took the third round off. We'll just hit and run, hit and run. Yeah. Crowd probably didn't love it, but Francisco Chinaldo is a tough guy, and Vic is someone who's 9-1 in the UFC on like a four-fight win streak. He's always saying how none of the guys above him will will fight him because, you know, they'll say, oh, I don't want to fight someone who's lower than me, which is kind of, that's another kind of issue right now in the UFC. Yeah. It's uh, only the people at the top will fight each other, and it never really leaves any room for someone to rise. Yeah, they so, don't have anything to gain. They won't fight them. Right. It's kind of BS. Another reason that, hey, if you get that union going, you know, maybe you can, you know, for more share of the money, you can leave the matchmaking strictly to the UFC. Yeah. That's one way that that could actually benefit the UFC in this case. But Yeah, part of their bargaining. Yeah, James Vick, though, I mean, the guy is good. And yeah. um, I really hope he gets a decent... I mean, Trinaldo's a tough guy. He's a good fighter, don't get me wrong. I think I had him rated, like, 15th in my top, in my own personal rankings. But, uh, yeah, James Vick. I don't yeah, know. I mean, he's lost <laughs> Yeah, that was a while ago. But, yeah, yeah give him another shot. Just so he'll stop crying about it. Yeah, right. Give him some respect. <laughs> Curtis Millinder <laughs> makes his UFC debut. Another impressive debut. Defeating Tiago Alves by knockout in the second round. 
looked like he was going to knock him out in the first round, but he kind of prematurely celebrationed. And, uh, yeah, and then Alves survived. And then he just he TKO'd him in the, in the second round. But he's another guy who's got a really long reach, used it well, powerful strikes, man. I love all these young guys coming up. That's really yeah. great. I mean, if Tiago Alves wasn't a gatekeeper status, which I don't even know if he was in a position to be, but I could, I can't believe he's still around. Yeah, he's missed so many chunks of time with injuries and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. He keeps fighting, and yeah. I mean, he's a tough guy. He's he's not like yeah, it's true. But he's fought some pretty good people in that in that time as well. Yeah, I don't know. There's nothing wrong with being that guy, you know, win one, lose one, have some fun fights. He's good to throw on the fourth fight from the top yep. and get someone over. So, uh, Brandon Davis defeated Steven Peterson, unanimous decision. This was a really fun fight. It probably won fight of the night. I can't remember, and I'm not checking. <laughs> but, fight uh, of the night was Davis-Peterson. Yeah. yeah, all right. So, yeah, and it makes sense because – Davis, he lost his UFC debut in a close, relatively close fight. Got a short turnaround here to fight Steven Peterson making his UFC debut. Both scrappy guys. T- oh, my God. Brandon Davis pretty much dominated him. But it was a really fun fight because Peterson, man, that guy, two tougher's are good. I mean, he was getting yeah. hit with knees and kicks and punches and just walking right through it, walking forward. At one point, looked like he was going to get knocked out with this nasty knee in the third round. Was on wobbly legs, but somehow just kept coming. Made it go to the Georgia scorecard. So, uh, yeah, fun fight. Sage Northcutt won again. Defeated Tibolt Goaty by unanimous decision. I saw some people thought he should have lost. I actually, this was one of the fights I did not see. Yeah, um, I mean, he Got taken down a few times. Uh, I was kind of like flipping between this and the Olympics, but I was a close fight. I guess you could, I could see the argument of how he lost, but I could also see the twenty nine twenty decision as reasonable. Yeah. Um, Apparently, I don't think it. Gowdy took him down. Apparently, Gowdy took him down, but didn't really do anything. Yeah, just kind of held on. I don't. I don't know. I'm going to have to rewatch this. See, I watched the prelims, and then I went upstairs. Missed this fight and uh, watched uh, Davis Peterson to the end. So I have to go back and watch it because I, I, as much shit as everyone gives Sage Northcutt, I feel like the guy has really been improving lately, especially since he moved to Team Alpha Male, and he's still yeah. like 21 years old, 22 or something like that. So I don't yeah, know. I don't uh, dislike him. I mean, I'm more cool in on Northcutt now than I ever have been. Yeah, it's cool to see him get a win in Texas. He's from. Somewhere in Texas, but... Uh, yeah, I don't care. So <laughs> <laughs> no, that is pretty cool. Seems like a good kid, you know. Yeah. Uh, he's got Stephen Thompson syndrome, though, with his dad always in his corner. Yep. <laughs> I feel like to, almost like a predator kind of way. Yeah, it's like stage, stage dad type yeah. thing. <laughs> but uh, let's move on to this weekend's card on Big Fox. Oh, you know, Big Fox means big fights, except for this year for some reason. Uh, this is actually a solid card, a deep card. 
it'd be a pretty good FS1 event. But, you know, with Fox, we're, we've come to expect a little bit better than uh, what they've been giving us the last couple. Um, yeah, what is this? I don't even have it pulled up. <laughs> oh, you don't have it pulled up. This is Jeremy Stevens versus Josh Emmett in the in the main uh, event. Okay. And <laughs> Jessica Andrade versus Tisha Torres in the co-main. Let's go through it. All right. Let me get it pulled up here. <laughs> oh, my God. My Google's broken, man. Amateur hour. Uh, Jeremy Stevens. Coming off back-to-back wins over Gilbert Melendez and Duho Choi faces off against Josh Emmett, who just on short notice and missing weight, uh, knocked out Ricardo Lamas brutally uh, yeah, a couple Fox cards ago to be 13-1, new fresh contender at featherweight. These two are going to throw down to determine, you know, potentially – who could be close to a title shot? In yeah. Uh, I'm not, never really been a big fan of Jeremy Stevens, but he's a tough guy. Yeah, uh, agreed, agreed. I don't see him too close to a title fight. I guess we'll see what happens with the Edgar and uh, Ortega. Ortega fight and Holloway coming back. I don't know what the timeline with all that is. Yeah, I mean, Darren Elkins is up there too. He's won a lot in a yeah. row. So there's definitely options. Yeah, I don't know too much about Josh in that. Well, you saw him knock uh, yeah, Lamas out. Yeah. But, like you said, he missed weight. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. Uh, judging by that knockout of Lamas, I would say, like, Stevens is almost like one of those guys that's, like, too tough for his own good. Like, he'll stay in the pocket and really fight, but... Um, I don't know what that'll lend into Josh Emmett's hand or not. I would say it would probably be like a nice tough fight, and although it is five rounds, that's true. Right, my good decision. I would take Jeremy Stevens here myself. Really? Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's a. It's a good close fight. I wasn't sure really. I'm I still haven't really. Uh, you know, because I'm in these like uh, fantasy fighting leagues and. I make my picks usually early in the week, but I haven't even looked at this yet, so I'm not sure which way I want to go here. I think I'm leaning towards Josh Emmett by decision. Yeah. But I think, I don't know. Like, I feel like I underestimate Stevens all the time, just because yeah. there are times when he comes out, like against Senato Moicano, and he just, I don't know, he, he just kind of... I don't know, just gets beat by smarter fighters. You know, he's like, he'll come out, he'll be game. Yeah, he's one-dimensional. But he's been kind of adding those, like, low, low kicks. And he's got, seems like he's kind of learning as he ages a little bit. I don't know. I've kind of, my gut is telling me that he's going to lose a decision. Yeah, but I mean, the was hugely impressive for me, and Gilbert Melendez. They were both fight of the night fights. So. Yeah, and I, I just I, the reason I'm kind of hesitant is because I've picked against him and been wrong in the past. I probably picked Melendez and Choi over him, and he won both of those fights. Yeah. So this is a good matchup, though. Yeah, it is. It's just a shame it's the main event. Like, yeah, this would be great as you know the first or second fight of the main card, but. The main yeah. event, that seems a bit much. 
Uh, I really wish Jessica Andrade versus Tisha Torres was the main event because that's a fight that deserves to go five rounds if it yeah, gets definitely. there. Like that's my favorite fight on this card, and that's the co-main event. This is a uh, clearly the number one contender fight for women's strawweight. Yeah. What do you think? Um, well, I don't really know. Jessica Andrade, she's really tough. Tisha Torres, she hasn't fought in a while, has she? Who? Torres. Get the hell out of here. I'm looking at it. Uh, she just beat Michelle Watterson. So. Yeah, at UFC 218 in December. Yeah, yeah it's so, been forever. Oh, quick, yeah. quick turn <laughs> <laughs> Talking out my ass here, all right? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> no, this is a really good fight. Like you said, it's co- uh, uh contender fight for sure. Yeah, I mean, the only fight in Torres's career that she's ever lost was to the rematch to Rosnami Yunus, and she beat her the first time, so. Yeah. Um, I don't know. She's definitely... She's just a decision machine. That's the only... Oh, drama. man. Andrade destroyed Gedalia in the last fight. I forgot about that. Yeah, Andrade is a beast. She is awesome. I love... She's one of my favorite female fighters. Fun yeah. to watch. I mean, she's like a little John Lineker, a female John Lineker. She's moving forward, winging haymakers, but like in a strategic way, in a sense. Um, I don't know if she has the power of a Lineker, but she has the style and it's fun to watch. And I, she's Brazilian. Yeah. <laughs> I like Brazilian fighters. You, you seem not to. Here's a hot take. Here's a hot take. Raquel Pennington has fought on Drage. Tisha Torres married to her. She's got the inside info. I'm taking Tisha Torres by decision. Wow. Wow. <laughs> no, that, see, that's crazy. Uh, that Andrade used to fight at 135. Yeah. And then she dropped all the way to 115, and she's staying there despite the 125 division. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Did she, Oh, okay, and she lost to Raquel Pennington. But Raquel Pennington is so much bigger than her. Yeah. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Hmm. Now, if it was five rounds, I think I would lean towards Torres. Yeah. But since it's only three, I feel like, I don't know, she's, she's going to come out hot and... Definitely at the weather storm. Yeah, Torres is a good fighter. It's just she, if she only wins by decision, except for one time in her career, so she's pretty small. Yeah, but she's tough too. So I don't really see her getting knocked out. I think it's definitely going to go to decision. I think it'll be a fun fight. Yeah, this is definitely fight of the night material. I'll go Andrade. All right, Alir Latifi versus Ovin Saint Pru in what is incredibly a pretty important fight in light heavyweight. One of the thinnest divisions in the history of the sport. <laughs> yeah. This is a... Uh, uh, OSP. Shitty. A three-fight winning streak. He uh, submitted Marcos Rogerio de Lima and Yushin Okami, who ridiculously took that fight on short notice at light heavyweight and is now signed up to fight someone soon at welterweight. Welterweight, yeah. It's, Isn't that great? That's insane. <laughs> And he uh, knocked out Corey Anderson at 217. Pretty awesome. I mean, that was that. the king of the, uh, what is it? Uh, Von Flew. Sure. Yeah, the Von Flew, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he was the three-fight losing streak. John Jones, Jimmy Manoa, Volkan Ozdemir, three-fight winning streak. And if he wins this, honestly, not that far from a title shot, which is crazy because I was yeah. writing him off at some point. Pretty big names to lose to. I mean, Pretty good showing only against John Jones, although John Jones like shit. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that. 
But, uh, but OSP did break his arm in that fight. That was pretty. Yeah, true. But Aaliyah... Hero Latifi is just so small and squatty and flat footed. But he's a pretty tough guy. I mean, he's got wins. Or he just dominated. No, I don't know if he dominated, but he beat Tyson Pedro last time out. Lost to Ryan Bader. But then he beat John Vellante and Sean O'Connell. So, I don't know. I think these guys are pretty evenly matched. He is definitely more short and stout, which yeah. maybe lends well to OSP's head kicks. Yeah. What do you see happening? Uh, I think exactly that. I'm going to say... Second round knockout head kick. All right, that would be cool. Um, I don't know. I'll say Yalir Latifi by split decision. Yeah, it seems likely. But... Yeah, put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Mike Perry <laughs> is fighting Max Griffin in the first fight of the main card. Mike Guy Perry. I love the hate. Yeah, I know. Uh, he actually had a pretty good interview on uh, Ariel show. To- uh, Monday. It's worth really? checking out. I would recommend it. Uh, he was in person in the studio and really opened up quite a bit. I, he actually kind of grew on me a little bit. Yeah. And then I saw a tweet where he uh, of another quote he had on a different, like a radio show that I was like, oh, maybe not. Where he was <laughs> like talking, like he's opening up big time, talking about his dad and his, and just his life and where he went to jail and, you know, how yeah. his head, like, reconsidering a lot of his beliefs and all this stuff and I'm like damn okay I can get behind this and then I see a tweet where it's like Mike Perry talking about Colby Covington he's just gonna shove his head in my lap try to suck my dick for 15 minutes that's it I'm like okay (laughs) so much for that (laughs) really good way to redeem yourself Uh, yeah He's just that fucking like Jersey Shore fucking asshole kind of guy. Uh, Mike, he his name is Brooks. That was not Bob. Um, if you're listening to this, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's 26 years old. He's he's clearly a crazy motherfucker and uh, got serious power in his hands. He had that sick knockout of Jake Ellenberger with that elbow. Yeah. Uh, he's he's won four fights by knockout and then lost two decisions so we'll see i think max griffin probably not up to the task i mean max griffin's a solid fighter but he's coming off a loss as well so i could see mike perry knocking him out in the first or second round and perry is improving as a fighter overall yeah yeah i agree i think mike perry's gonna handily take this by by tk over so nice uh let's see quickly this is a pretty deep card um, yeah, it is, actually. There's some decent fights on here. But um, quickly, I'll just shout out some, like Henenbrow versus Brian Kelleher. Bantamweight. Back to Bantamweight for Burrell. I feel like the guy's done. I, yeah, we'll you, see if he can even make weight. USADA. Look, even I'm getting in on this. Yeah. It seems like the most obvious case ever. The guy was yeah. like an animal. For so long, and then the second Usada showed up, he became Him like and, uh, Silva. Nothing. Oh. Eric Silva. Eric Silva, yeah. Yeah, I like Brian Kelleher by submission. I'm gonna go ahead and brow by lackluster decision after Luke missing weight. <laughs> All right, very specific. Sarah, <laughs> Sarah McMahon versus Marion Renault. pretty solid women's fight. Angela Hill Looks versus like Ma- Ronda Rousey's girl, right? 
What's that? Marianne Renault. It's like Ronda Rousey's best friend, right? It is? I think so. I don't think so. Well, I yeah. could be wrong, but it doesn't ring a bell. Yeah. Uh, Angela Hill is fighting Marnia Moroz, which is two good young fighters. Uh, Alan Joban versus Ben Saunders. Fun fight. That's a good fight. It's a really good fight. Uh, it's funny. Alan Joban handily beat Mike Perry by decision last year. Mike Perry on the main card. Joe Band yeah. on the prelims. That's awesome too. Oh yeah, for sure. But I do think Joe Band will win. Yeah. Uh, if he can keep it standing up. Olivier Aubin Mercier versus Gilbert Burns is a fun fight between two different style grapplers. I thought Olivier was at welterweight. It's no, he's a lightweight. Oh, you, okay. st- you stupid bitch. Like the lightweight GSB. <laughs> yeah. Wannabe. Poor man. Yeah. Broke man's. Uh, <laughs> there are a couple other ones, but uh, Manny Bermudez, prospect, making his debut against Albert Morales. Uh, we'll update you. We'll tell you what happened next week. We'll, yeah. we'll run we'll for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, was there any other news or anything in the world of MMA? Uh, Ryan Bader stripped naked at a basketball game. All right, moving on to movies. Um <laughs> Uh, we're going to review The Shape of Water, uh, starring Michael Shannon, Doug Jones as a sea creature, uh, Sally Hawkins as a a mute, she's not deaf, right? She's just mute. Yeah. Uh, woman who works at a, it's like the end of set in the 50s, I want to say. Yeah. And it's at like a um, experimental research facility. Research facility, mm-hmm. yeah. And she's like part of the cleaning crew with Octavia Spencer and Michael Shannon. Oh, yeah, that's right. In Baltimore. <laughs> and uh, Michael Shannon's character kind of runs the place. And she's her. Is it like her neighbor is played by uh, Richard Jenkins? Yeah. Yeah. Friend neighbor. Friendly neighbor. Who he's gay, that comes into the story later on in the movie. For like a second, I feel like. Well, I feel like it's parallel between the fish monster and I don't know. We'll get into it, I guess. But uh, yeah. yeah, who else is in it? Uh, the guy from Call Me by Your Name, um, Michael Stuhlbarg. He plays the uh, the other doctor, or like the yeah. uh, the scientist. Sorry, not doctor. Um, yeah, Hoffman. Is that the character's name? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what, so... Is that... I thought he was... He plays uh, uh, Arnold Rothstein in uh, Boardwalk Empire. Is that right? I haven't seen that. You've never seen Boardwalk Empire? No, I haven't. Yeah, Michael Stahlberg. Michael Stahlberg, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he plays Arnold Rothstein uh, very well in... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's a great actor. Um, He was the dad in Call Me By Your Name, like I said. Um, Oh, wow. With the beard. Put a thick beard on him. Uh, He was in The Post, Steve Jobs, Lincoln, Hugo. I mean, he's he's like one of those guys, right, that's been in a ton of movies, like, behind-the-scenes character actor. Yeah, you don't even realize. Yeah. But like I said, Sally Hawkins is the main character of the movie and I thought she was great in the role 
great yeah. great lead performance. But she pretty much carries us through the story where, like I said, in the 50s, in this research facility, seems like it's a temporary thing for them. Um, yeah. Um, and they, they find out there's this, like, uh, sea monster, sea creature yes. being held there, tortured there, being studied, I guess, for, you know, any edge in the war. I don't know what the whole, you know point of it is for the 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 bad guys quote unquote but sally hawkins character kind of becomes friendly and then more than friendly with the the sea creature i don't know how you met your friends but <laughs> hey that's just <laughs> casual encounter my friend yeah. but yeah it was uh this is a movie that has the most oscar nominations and is probably the front runner for best picture this year at the oscars uh 13 nominations to be exact yeah. and um yeah i think it had like a damn it i should have wrote this down percentage uh, on rotten tomatoes rotten potatoes, <laughs> rotten potatoes. Yeah. that's a new one uh 92 percent on rotten tomatoes <laughs> 87 i just realized what i said 87 <laughs> percent on metacritic uh <laughs> metacritic and uh potatoes and yeah <laughs> it's a very well reviewed movie um yeah. and i like you talk oh i thought this movie was awesome i really did not know what to expect coming in i didn't research it or look into it or watch any trailers for it beforehand um but i was very uh very well pleased with it i mean the story's great. Like you said, Sally Hawkins. Everybody's performance, really, in it yeah, is awesome. it's true. I mean, Michael Shannon is incredible in it. I mean, it's almost like typecasting for him, like this type of character, I feel like. Yeah, a little almost. predictable, but still, he knocks it out of the park. Yeah, definitely. Um, I like him as an actor It's great. It's really, I don't really have a bad thing to say about this movie. Um, I don't know how to say this, but I liked what? it a lot, too. Yeah, I really, I yeah, I think it's like in my borderline top ten, maybe just missed or scraped on the bottom, uh, my top ten. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I loved the aesthetic of the movie. Like, it's very noir looking. Yeah, you would think, like Del, Del Toro, the director, he's a guy who made Pan's Labyrinth. He's really good with like the practical effects and. And the style of movies, and he, that continues here. But this is something a little bit different, where it's it almost has like a greenish, like dank, dirty hue to it. But at the yeah. same time, it looks great. Somehow he managed to pull that off. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it just fit the movie so well. Like even like in their apartments, like just the decor, everything. It it, it makes sense. Yeah, how they tie like them music of the time into it it fit well in every scene that that happened in yeah Um, but not even that it's just realistic to the time but that it's kind of just fits the whole tone of the movie you know yeah absolutely like it's almost whimsical in a way like uh it's very light but at the same time dealing with some really dark material here yeah for sure like there's scenes of blood and guts where uh I guess we will be talking spoilers for this review. Um, yeah. Like, at yeah. one point, they're, like, tasering the fish to try to... Fish. Oh, my God. That's so <laughs> like, racist. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
the sea creature. Uh, Amphibian lands. It's his title character. Yeah, and what's that old like monster movie? Something at the uh, creature at the Black Lagoon type thing. Yeah, yeah. Looks just like that. They're like tasering it when he gets out of line, and then he lashes out and cuts off Michael Shannon's fingers. Yeah, well, that like, <laughs> like I knew Michael Shannon was a good title character in this movie, and what's it like? Ten minutes in, he's like in the hallway, looks like he got shot in the heart and shit. I was like, wow, Michael Shannon really went down quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. But uh, <laughs> that's when you first get to see the amphibian man because. Sally Hawkins and uh, Octavia Spencer are like the maids of this facility. And they right, get called right. to clean up the mess, and that's when you get first introduced to yeah. really what's going on there. And they find a finger. Two fingers. Right, and it's gross. And though it's not as gross as towards the end of the movie, yeah, Michael Shannon's like replacement fingers have gotten rotten. And at one point, well, they're his like, actual fingers. They oh, like right. Them okay, <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but it's crazy because like he go- he learned that rips them off of his <laughs> own hand. <laughs> well, first he's like sitting in his car and like squeezes it, and like this ooze comes pouring out. Oh, but it's yeah. crazy it's because uh, the monster amphibian man cut his fingers off and they turn all rotten and gangrene but you come to learn that the amphibian has like special ability or power however you said it where he can like wolverine shit like heal wounds but I feel like he since uh, Michael Shannon's character and him had a displeasure for each other he like I don't know I guess his powers didn't affect his cut you know what I mean yeah and for all the displeasure he had with Michael Shannon's character, he had a lot of pleasure with uh, <laughs> Sally Hawkins' character. Yeah, you know, and I, I like how frank the movie is. Like, oh, it's yeah. not trying yeah. to, like, one of the opening scenes is Sally Hawkins' character masturbating in the bathroom. Famously. It's like her morning yeah. ritual, which, I mean, it's normal. Nothing wrong with that. Oils and, and hit the tub. Yeah, and, um, you know, it's just. I like how it normalizes a lot of things that people would think are weird, like a sea creature having sex with a, a human woman. And <laughs> no, I actually really like the way their relationship built. Yeah, you know, and I feel like, like I was saying, the parallel between the sea creature and the gay neighbor. You know, it's just for this time and place. Well, obviously, the sea creature, any time and place, will probably be misunderstood. Yeah, but it's just. The different, uh, like, mistreatments that they had to go through just for for who well, they are, what they look yeah. like, or, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely some parallels parallels there. But I thought Richard Jenkins was good as well. I thought he was – his character was pretty funny. Like yeah. a sad sack. Like he's to it, yeah. I like when uh, he fell asleep watching the creature when – at one point when they bring the creature – they make uh, escape or whatever. Uh, that's a pretty cool scene though too, and the elaborate quote unquote escape. Yeah, like their whole plan and everything. Uh, yeah, that's like halfway through the movie. I was like, damn, what the hell is this movie gonna be about after they break the scene? Yeah, out? I know, like, and it only gets better somehow. Yeah, but uh, he like falls asleep. Creature gets out of the tub, eats one of his cats. <laughs> yeah, and then becomes yeah. like friends with the other ones. Yeah, well, I think he like healed the cat. 
Oh, really? See, I yeah. watched it like a Unless he had ago. multiple cats. I, I don't know. I think he had like... multiple cats. I think he killed and ate one, and then they <laughs> kind of told him, like, no, 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 these are your friends. <laughs> it's like, don't play with kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, another, a crazy scene, one of the most memorable scenes was when, you know, she can't take it anymore. She wants to be with with the sea creature, and... She, like, puts a towel, which a little unrealistic that you, like, put a barricade under the door and you can well, fill first up. she just, like, strips naked and gets in the tub with him. Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> she's, like, smiling at work the next day and uh, Octavia's character is like, what happened? What are you smiling about? And trying to get that she's like, You did hell? not. How did that? Just like that? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that was a really. Explains how his uh, member comes out, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that was uh that was a very funny scene. Yeah, yeah but then but she... But then, after yeah. that, she's like... They go in the bathroom and she puts a towel under the door and runs the sink. And, I mean, it's un- very cool shot scene. It was yeah. very, like, cinematography. It was great, but it's unrealistic in a sense where the whole bathroom just fills up with water to the roof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, like, yeah. Like, it's an Yeah, that was pretty cool. Pretty yeah. Like, visually, it looked great. Even though Richard, unplausible, Richard but. Jenkins' character comes up and opens the door, and it all so it was like reminded me of like Captain Ron when they're in the shower together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Captain Ron comes down, like get him up, stuck, and he opens the door, all the water comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Richard Jenkins' character just starts laughing, shuts the door. <laughs> yeah, and I liked. Uh, it reminded me of Paddington, the first Paddington. There's kind of a scene where. Obviously, no sex involved, but Paddington, say, <laughs> Paddington is kind of similar to the sea creature where he's, well, he, in a way, like he's this bear who's from Chile and he gets brought to England and he's trying to, you know, he's lived in nature and now he's trying to live in this this house and he's, he's like in the bathroom and he's like, you know, one of these classic uh, physical comedy bits where it's like, oh, crap, oh, hit into this, which tangled into this. And all you know, the shower turns on, the sink turns on. He's like stuck somehow. The room <laughs> fills with water. Open up the door. Really. He comes out with the tub down the steps. <laughs> but but enough about Paddington. Uh, <laughs> what the hell was I going to say? Oh, what about the scene? Like, there's a scene where it kind of cuts into as a musical, right? Oh yeah, like, that's uh, where they're sitting at the table together, and she's. Kind of starting to get heartbroken, realizing uh, uh, the reality of what's going to have to happen. Probably aren't going to be able to get married and live happily ever after. Yes. Um, spoiler alert. Yeah. No, we'll and get into like that, a, but yeah, it's, it's a very good scene. She, how the see, lighting changes, the whole room gets dark, and a light shines on her, which turns into like black and white. Very incredibly shot movie. I mean, everywhere around. Yeah. It's, and yeah. she starts singing. She's going to meet the whole movie. And at first, it's like a low whisper and turns into a, like a fantasy, like a 1950s like dance show. Yeah, it turns into La La Land. It's pretty yeah. pretty fucked up that she would hide the secret that she could talk the whole time. Like, <laughs> what the hell? No. No, I, I thought it didn't work completely. I don't know how much I loved that scene. It was certainly well done. Just, yeah. I mean, I, I liked it. just wasn't uh, my favorite part of the movie or anything. Yeah, it didn't do much for the story or anything. It was just like a touching moment, I Yeah, suppose. for sure, for sure. I definitely got what they were going for. 
And this movie, in a lot of ways, reminded me of Amelie, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a French movie from, I want to say, the 2000s. Um, yeah. It's very, you know, it has mature themes, but it portrays them in such a whimsical and lighthearted, fun way. So, yeah. And that this scene had a lot to do with uh, those vibes. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else. The ending, how about... Oh, yeah, the ending. Uh, some uh, justice, I suppose. Um, and some more Wolverine powers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it comes comes to a uh, head, really, where Michael Shannon kills the Russian, undercover Russian doctor, and he tells them, uh, you know, reveals the secret that it was the maids, not some crazy hit squad that stole the the amphibian man. Right. So right. it comes to a, comes to a head. Of course, he gets to her apartment just after they took him to release him into the water, um, and runs into him at the perfect time at the dock as they're saying their goodbyes, and shoots them. <laughs> yeah. Shoots them all. Yeah, and it's kind of ambiguous if and amphibious if uh, if he say if Sarah Sarah Sally Hawkins' character lived, right? Uh, I guess it is. I mean, if you believe the whole movie that he's had the healing powers, but he like takes her into the water. With well, him, he right? takes her into the water, and I guess I she's had this three cuts on her right neck. Whole movie. Are they gills? Well, he turns them into gills, I suppose. That's was the she, final scene. It's they're floating in the water together. Was she a fish and, person the whole time? I don't... See, I don't... Maybe. I never really thought of it like that. Well, I'm here to blow minds and take names, so... <laughs> no. that was, Yeah, it was a cool ending, I thought. Absolutely. I mean, it was a perfect ending for this kind of story and movie. Um, of course, this is based on a true story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep, the <laughs> the Great Baltimore Incident of 1953. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I thought it was like nice and perfect. It's a perfect way to end this kind of movie. I didn't hate the ending at all. I thought it was uh, it suited it just well. You get poetic justice by killing Michael Shannon because he's a fucking dickhead in this movie. True, but you know what? And I want to hear your opinion on this. I heard someone say that they think Michael Shannon is the hero of the movie because he's just trying to do his job, you know, and I, I couldn't, couldn't believe what I was reading. But Organizing yes. fucking assholes to be tortured. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unnecessarily tortured this creature. A miserable prick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the one scene where he's talking to the general on the phone after cutting his fingers off he's like so got my trigger finger and my pussy finger i'll be all right yeah what a guy um (laughs) and he basically tries to rape sally hawkins or suggests that he would yeah he's clearly a fucking animal like villain (laughs) he's the hero he's the real fish man of this movie yeah right no yeah i couldn't believe that argument that i heard but it takes a delusional person to say that. For sure, for sure. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his job is really to, like, use this guy to figure out the powers of this amphibian man to use it for the U.S. against the Russians, and he did not give a shit about that. Yeah. 
Oh, I mean, he just wanted to get his paycheck and move on. I was so, trying to bring how, up uh, Devil's Advocate, and then I lost interest halfway through. <laughs> uh, we forgot to bring up the plot point that uh, Michael Stuhlbarg, turns out he's actually like a spy oh, yeah, for the spy. Russian government. But has a change of heart after the Russians also yeah. end up being evil in the sense that well, if the Americans want to have this person to use against them might as well just destroy him so they can't use it so mm-hmm. he has a change of heart yeah i liked all the scenes when he's meeting up with the the driver and he's like all right with these stupid code words you know it's me yeah <laughs> yeah i'm the only guy standing in this quarry yeah exactly but yeah i like but yeah i thought his character was great i like uh like a you have to check out Boardwalk Empire. He plays a great I know. Character. There's so many HBO shows I need to watch. The yeah. Wire, The Sopranos, Boardwalk Empire. Really missing out. I know, I know. Story of my life. <laughs> but yeah, I thought his character was great, and it was a great uh, great part of the story. You know, it was definitely intriguing. For sure, for sure. All right, what would you give it? I just we just started uh, our own musical out of nowhere. What? We should <laughs> never mind. Go. Head <laughs> over my head. Uh, I would I I would give this heavy eight and a half, maybe nine out of ten. All right, nice. I was thinking sinking. That's a uh, aquatic theme continued. Eight <laughs> light eight and a half out of ten. Light to yeah. solid eight I- and a half. I really, really like this movie. I mean, like I said, no, I had no I real expectations. Didn't know what it was even about before watching it, and um, it surprised me big time. Yeah, I'm it's glad you liked it. it. definitely is. But after you were so wrong about the Florida Project, I'm glad we we can finally agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really interested to hear your take on the killing of a sacred deer at some point, which we said we were going to review, but we're not going to. We had so much already. Lined up yeah. for the show, so I've had a busy week and a half. Yeah, for sure. For sh- Why do I keep saying that? It's like my new, uh, just You're like hit. killing time as I try to figure out what I'm going to say next. Is fashion? Do you watch other movies? Yeah, thank you, Brooks, for bringing that to my attention. <laughs> I, uh, I certainly did, and I certainly watched about eight movies in the past week or so. Holy cannoli. <laughs> yes. I could go for one. <laughs> Cloverfield Paradox. We talked about it. Uh, the commercial for the Super Bowl. Everyone was hyped. Let's go. Cloverfield. Yeah. Netflix. Immediate. Fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Uh, we, we even considered talking about it as like a review on here. And you do not watch this movie. <laughs> Whatever you do. No, it's it's crazy. I really, really like the first... I loved the first Cloverfield movie, and yes. I really, really like the sequel. Probably the best kind of this movie, if not one of them. Yeah, definitely up there. Uh, I was looking forward to this sci-fi movie. The problem is, they took a generic sci-fi movie that <laughs> the... The, the production people didn't like didn't trust it enough on its own. So like, hey, what if we make it a Cloverfield movie after the fact? Just slap some bullshit on here. 
a, a Call of Cloverfield movie. And then <laughs> the studio is like, uh, like I don't think so. We're going to cut bait. But then Netflix was like, yo, 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 I'll give you uh, $50 million for uh, the rights to this movie. God, happily, happily give you that. And then, you know, Netflix, smart on their part the way they advertised it, but... They realized what a big piece of shit they had on their hands. They had to get somebody excited for it. Yeah, pretty much. And, yeah, it's just a, a bad version of the movie Life, which was not great last year. And it's so inso- it's infuriating. Spoilers for the Cloverfield Paradox, but seriously, do not. And there are some fairly entertaining s- scenes, but it's really bad. But it, the most, the worst part is the ending. Like this whole movie, it's like, you know, there's. Before you say the ending, does it tie? I've heard it, but ties together the first Cloverfield and uh, the John Goodman Cloverfield. Does it at all? Yeah. Uh, but so insultingly, like this entire movie, it's about, you know, it's a, uh, it's a point in time where Earth is going through some shit and they need to go to like a parallel, like they have to do this sci-fi shit to fix Earth or whatever. <laughs> but it's like, you know, there's a paradox if you go to an alternate reality, you don't know what you're opening up to this world, yada, yada, yada. So this whole movie is about them going on this mission. You know, there's alternate parallel stuff. And then they get back, and just the last shot of the movie is, oh my God, what's happening? And then a giant version of the Cloverfield monster comes out of the clouds and, and like, squeals, like screeches. And then it's over. It's like, so are like you fucking kidding me? No, it's way worse. <laughs> it's literally just a f- 10 second scene slapped on the very end of the movie that's like, Rawr! wow, I tied into Cloverfield. Like, and they just added some stuff here and there throughout the movie to the reference. And Oh my god, it's it's so bad. So insultingly bad. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah, please do. And uh, we'll definitely <laughs> debate 30 minutes of it on the next episode. <laughs> How about you? I got to cool off. What have you been watching? <laughs> uh, off the top of my head here, I only watched one. I watched this movie on Netflix. I think it's pretty new. Uh, when We First Met. Pretty horrendously reviewed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, spoiler alert. I wasn't at my full state of mind when I watched it. But okay. I enjoyed it. You were elevated on a higher plane. I was elevated. Um, the devil was lettuce. But uh, <laughs> Adam Devine from Workaholics, he's uh, the main character. And, I mean, it's a comedy. Wait, 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 wait. But Al- it's like a mix you mean, between it. You mean Alex- Alexander Daddario is the star? Yes, let's be real. Yes. <laughs> uh, but it's like a mix between Kid, the Tom Hanks movie. And Groundhog's Day, <laughs> where... Wait, what was the first one? Kid, Tom Hanks maybe, where he uh, <laughs> uses his machine to go back in time or whatever, or go forward in time. Kids? Kid, the Tom Hanks maybe, where he goes to the, the tarot card reading machine. Big? 
Oh, big. That's what it is. Not kid. Kids is a movie about AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like the most depressing, darkest movie ever. That's what I meant. No, but big, it's a mix between big and Groundhog's Day, where, um, <laughs> and means meets Alexandra Daddario and, um, it's a girl of his dreams, but they don't end up uh, getting together. And he's at a party or something and goes into like a photo booth and putting a coin in this photo booth basically makes Groundhog Day happen where he goes to the same day over and over again. But it's not like the same day. It's like, But it's not actually Groundhog's Day, right? No, no, no. It's like he gets a chance to re- relive time. Um Gotcha. And make different choices, and he does this several times and realizes um, how, like, being the way he wants to turn out doesn't exactly be, isn't exactly all that great and whatnot. Um, but it's fun; it's lighthearted, and, like a butterfly effect type thing. Yeah, um, I enjoyed it. Like I said, it might not be a great movie if I like rewatched it, but uh, I would, for what it is, I'd give it like a six and a half. Nice, like uh, background watch or like uh you know if got nothing else to do you need something light yeah yeah like i've i was just a fan of adam Devine from like workaholics i was like yeah i'll check it out i will say there's this guy king botch in it who's like a youtube vine star who was fucking horrendous i hate him i don't even know what his real name is he's literally on google as king botch <laughs> all right you heard he's like his first? best friend in the movie it was terrible <laughs> You know, you talking about that movie reminds me. I still want to see Happy Death Day. Oh yeah, I haven't seen that either. It's uh, the horror movie version. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I forgot to say I give Cloverfield Paradox a three out of ten. <laughs> nice, surprised you gave it that much. Yes, yes. Um, all right, next up is a little movie that my wife uh, Sam is always like, "You call yourself a movie buff." And you haven't seen Dirty Dancing? Oh, boy. It's a classic. I'm like... It is a classic. Don't fucking talk shit on it. I, I'm not... I was like, I'm sure... Like, I know it's iconic and I'm sure it's fine, but, like, a movie buff... It's not, like, a, one of the best-reviewed movies of all time or anything. No, it's... Like, it's not that crazy that I haven't seen it. Yeah. But, I uh, will say... This is my mom's favorite movie of all time. I think I've seen this probably 45 times. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that fact. Yeah. And, so uh, I can probably call it lines from it. So I don't just, I don't think it's that I like the movie. It's that it's permanently fucking burned into my brain. Yeah, yeah. I, I get it. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's all right. We watched it. I mean, Patrick Swayze, come on. He's a dreamboat. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, it was alright. It reminded me of Footloose it's, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, it's that forbidden stereotypical love, like, 80s movies. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to say. It was, I certainly recognized, like, Don't Put Baby in a Corner. I did not know that the character's actual name was Baby. Yeah. Like, I thought that was, like, uh, I don't know what I thought that quote was. It is pretty but, corny. Yeah, it's a little corny, but it's also kind of fun to watch. Yeah. And especially of the time, I could see it being the dancing being a little bit better. It's yeah. basically they're just grinding all over each other, and dancing <laughs> yeah. or whatever, like feverishly. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> it was kind of funny, but Patrick Swayze is a charismatic guy. There's no debating. And I water scene where he picks her up. <laughs> yes, and then um, it's the guy from Law and Order. Is her dad? Yeah, yeah. And uh, the doctor. The doctor. Her sister. I was a fan of the sister for some reason. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like uh, what's her name? What's the main? Actress's name, Je- Jennifer, Jennifer Gray, I believe. I like her. She's in Red Oaks, the show that's on uh, Amazon Prime. She plays the mom in that movie. She looks a lot uh, different, but um, I think she got a nose job or something. But I like her in that show, which retroactively made me made me like her in this movie. I don't know. It was an easy watch. It was fine. I didn't like yeah, love it or anything. Very uh, stereotypical for that age of movies. Yeah. I gave it like a 6 out of 10. Yeah, I, I would agree. I still need to see Roadhouse. I need to catch up on my sweet. You've never seen Roadhouse? No. Good lord. Look. God, what is his character's name? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, but uh, just because your mom had the hots for the Swayze doesn't mean <laughs> I need to see all these movies. Man, it was like force-fed to me. John, <laughs> Patrick Swayze is John Dalton in Roadhouse. He is the most badass... Round, round kicking mother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I want to see it. Just, you know, it's a classic. I call myself a movie buff. I got to see it. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised they canceled Ron Rousey's. Yeah, the remake. remake. Yeah. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> Did you watch anything? Probably else? Probably two scenes with her. Like, uh, we got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, let's cut our losses. Oh, Sam Elliott's in that, too. God. All right. Classic. <laughs> All right. I'll watch it tonight. <laughs> uh, did you watch anything else? No, I don't think I did. Alright, then I'll keep going here. A classic, uh, for real this time, Cinema Paradiso. From, uh, I gotta look up when it came out. But this is a movie that I want to say... Why is it a classic? Because <laughs> it came out in 1988. It had a 90% of Rotten Tomatoes. Did it get any awards? Probably. Yes. <laughs> Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film. Alright, that's what it is. And it's like a, a light-hearted movie about a kid. Young Salvador Davita. Um, he's in Italy. It's an Italian movie. It's about this guy who, in present day, finds out that this this guy from his past has died. It's uh, Alfredo who worked the uh, the movie theater in his hometown growing up, and then it flashes back to him as a kid, and just he's obsessed with movies, and you know he has this he's raised by a single mom who doesn't want him to waste all his time on movies, and he has this good relationship with Alfredo, the guy that runs the movies, and I don't know, it's like a you know. A heartwarming movie about the love of movies and how that can help your life, basically. I can see why you'd like it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was a good, easy watch. It didn't blow yeah. my mind or anything, but definitely glad I watched it. I, I could recommend it. Uh, seven and a half out of ten. Nice. nice. Yep, yep. And then I watched <laughs> something that was less of a classic Hands of Stone. <laughs> From 20, 2016, Hands of Stone. 
yeah. The story, the biopic of Roberto Duran and Robert De Niro as his trainer. Um, you seen this? Yeah. What did you? I think? actually enjoyed it. You did. Yeah. It was yeah, very a bit of an asshole, but oh yeah, for sure. It's very uh, by the book, uh, paint by numbers biopic, right? Like, yeah. hit all the notes. Very, like almost like made for TV style. I don't know. I it was a little bit better than I expected it to be, but I still didn't love it or yeah. even like it all that much. But I watched the whole thing. It was a fairly easy watch. It was a little long, but yeah, I I do like Edgar Ramirez who played. The main character, Roberto Duran. Yeah. And I really like Anna de Armas, who played his wife. She's uh <laughs> she is a good actress. I've seen her in a few things, but she she looks pretty good too. She's in Blade <laughs> Runner Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Um I loved her in that. And she was in War Dogs actually, one of the bright spots from that movie. Um yeah. there's one thing this movie did that I thought was pretty good, pretty funny and unexpected caught me off guard in a good way it's like um when he's first starting he like first getting married to his wife and they like they started having this like sensual sex scene and then it flash cuts to her screaming giving birth to to a baby like i thought it was pretty good like oh yeah it's all fun and games here but then boom this is what happens like, now you're fucked <laughs> yeah like, i thought that was pretty good and I don't know. It was just the. Uh, I'd rather have watched like uh, the thirty for thirty, <laughs> you know, the documentary version. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I could have got a little more out of that, but the boxing yeah. scenes—they weren't shot particularly well. This is no Creed. This is no yeah. uh, fucking masterpiece. So, no, it was pretty cool to get, just get the story, but like I said, I rather. Yeah. I thought Robert De Niro was good in him too. Yeah, it was kind of he was he was, but it was kind of weird how all of a like randomly, it almost turned into a biopic about Sugar Ray Leonard at one point. Yeah. I mean that was kind of cool. I I didn't mind that. It was just a little, little weird, and uh, I didn't necessarily like the actor that played Sugar Ray Leonard because he had this weird smirk on his face at all times. Unless that was like just how that guy was. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. It was alright. Five and a half. Yeah, yeah, I give it like a six, six. That yeah, movie sucked. I give it a seven. Um, <laughs> alright, now get to the good stuff. Actually watch some pretty good stuff. I, I finally caught up with Phantom Thread. The yeah. Paul Thomas oh, Anderson. I want to watch it. Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. It's definitely available for you to watch. Yeah. <laughs> um,. And it lived up to the hype. I actually started watching it and I fell asleep. Well, that's a great sign. <laughs> I'll just do that with movies. Man. No, yeah, I actually do that too. I don't know what it is. I'll be wide awake, like not tired at all. Put something on and I'll fall asleep. Like a lullaby. Like lately, I've been falling asleep on the couch watching stuff. Then it's like, oh gosh, yeah, I guess we're going up to bed. Go up to bed and then I'll... Be awake for Why? two hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that works. But yeah, Phantom Thread was really looking forward to this. Paul Thomas Anderson, greatest director of all time, at least as far as from what I've, the stuff I've seen, easily yeah. my favorite. At this point, he's cemented himself. I mean, he's batting a thousand. 
and this just added to the list, man. And Daniel Day Lewis, such a great actor. He's just up there with his other performances. Of course, yeah, he's fucking amazing. Yeah, but even we'll more so. What's that? So we'll have to do a full review. Definitely, yeah, definitely we'll have to. Um, but more, more than just his performance, like everyone in the movie is great. There's not that many characters, but Vicky Creeps, who plays his like love interest, uh, she's also pretty much the main character of the movie. Really. I, I never seen her in anything before, and she's amazing. And so is the person who plays Cyril in the movie, his sister. Uh, that actress did an amazing job as well, and just God, it's so beautiful to look at. It's yeah, we'll have to do a full review after you see it because his movies, man, they're just a meal. Like I don't know what it is. He can make a movie about a guy walking his dog down the street that lasts two hours, and I'm gonna fucking love it. I don't know what it is, but he's just got it. Whatever it is, what a line. These are meals. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. It's just like, uh, I don't know. There's a lot, too. we got to take them in. Yeah, yeah. Nine out of ten. Nice. Yeah, maybe we'll do that next week. Yeah, it's a, an option for show. For show. Um, I think I've already talked about it on here before, but I watched Mad Max again. Oh, cool. Yeah. Which one? The Fury Road? Yeah, Fury Road. It's so good. Oh, it's incredible. It's probably one of the best action movies ever made. Yeah, definitely. Just pure action, like nonstop. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. It's just so cool, like, caravans and shit. Like, dude, strung up playing guitar as, like, the war music. Freaking visually just, like, out of this world. I can't wait. I hope they make a sequel. Yeah, I, I'm sure they are. Although I heard... Uh, Tom Hardy and What's-Her-Face absolutely despise each other. Well, we, look, I love I love them both, especially Tom Hardy. He don't need to be in the sequel. Yeah. Because, I mean, he barely had a part in that one, and she was amazing. She was freaking badass, so I'm cool with just her being in it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be awesome. Oh. But uh, I'd give it like a 9 out of 10 for sure. Yeah, at least 9.5. Yeah, me, me and Joel reviewed that one, and uh, we loved it. <laughs> I like the video game, too. <laughs> I never played the video game. All right, next up, I watched a movie that is nominated for Best Foreign Language Feature at this year's Academy Awards. It's available on Netflix. I would recommend it. It's called On Body and Soul. And I don't think I'm going to be able to do the plot justice, so I'm going to Google the synopsis and read it to you. Uh, when a man and woman who meet at work begin to know each other, they discover that they have the same dreams at night, and they decide to make them come true. Uh, so yeah, this is a movie, I want to say it's out of Hungary. And it's about these people that work at a um, slaughterhouse, basically. Jesus. Oh, uh, I think I've seen uh, clips of this. Yeah, it's a weird movie, but weird in a good way, in my opinion. Um, they work at a, this guy, basically, the main character. works. He's like a supervisor at where they kill all these cattle. And uh, there's a new employee who's like a quality control 
And he's like a real compassionate guy, but he has a, a physical disability with his hand or his arm. And yeah. she's like of sound body, but she's kind of emotionless and um, I guess faulty in quote unquote faulty in that way. They both have the same dream every night where they're they're deer in the snowy wilderness and like like uh you know soulmates and uh this this incident at the workplace i mean there are some just brutal shots of cows getting slaughtered in this movie oh my god yeah i think i was thinking of fast food nation yeah that's different i might not be i don't know (laughs) you don't know i do remember watching it close to the movie where they're just walking through a factory and it's just brutal slaughtering of cows yeah, well, that's certainly here. Anyway. Uh, sorry, I just got a text message. I was just reading it briefly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so what, what was I waiting off? Oh, there's an incident at the workplace, and they bring in this like third party to investigate. And this they this woman is like asking, you know, what a dream last night. It's like all these weird random questions. There's their weird method to try to get the answer and it comes up they figure out that they both keep ca- keep having the same dream so they decide to start like hanging out more seeing if you know what this means and so like the weirdest romantic uh you know storyline ever I-, I don't know how to explain it other than it's like super weird and i'm going to give a couple of spoilers away of just some crazy shit that happens in this movie. It kind of reminds me of a movie that would have been made by Yorgos Lanthimos, who did The Killing of a Sacred Deer and uh, The Lobster. Not as well done, not as good, but kind of like the way that the characters are all a little bit offbeat. Something Like, everything's weird about this world. Like, it's very similar to ours, but it's, like, slightly off. Um... All right, there's one scene where this woman is, like, I think she's, like, on autism scale, but she's certainly can, you know, live and work in an environment all on her own. She's just a little, like, emotionally not there. And there's one scene where she she's, like, eating popcorn or she's eating something casually while she's watching something on TV. It just so happens to be, like, a close-up on anal sex. And she's like, it goes to the psychologist she's seeing since she was a child. And it's like, you know, I was watching uh, porn, like you said, to try to, you know, figure out how to become intimate with somebody. He's like, that's not exactly what I meant. Uh, <laughs> I was meant more you could like, you know, something like that. And then there's this other, the ending, which super spoiler, but freaking insane Almost like 13 Reasons Why Ask. She's in a tub. She's got music playing. She slits her her vein on her arm. And they show the blood like gushing out. Yeah. And it's like so dark but kind of funny where the music like the CD player skips. And she has to get like hit it to get the music going again. And then her phone starts ringing. She's like, oh. she gets out of the tub. 
to answer the phone. And then she's calmly having a conversation with the the guy, the main character. Yeah. And meanwhile, they like pan down, and the blood is just pouring out like in spurts <laughs> of her arm the whole time. And then she like, like a great flick. It's. I mean, it's not for everyone, but <laughs> I, I like weird movies like this. But she like yeah. wrapped it up, and then she goes over, and it's like happily ever after. <laughs> I spoiled the whole thing for you, but it was like so crazy that I had to like talk I had to tell somebody. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> Marty Um <laughs> Anyway, uh Good Time. Good it was a good time. Much like the movie I watched next, Good Time. It's a movie. Hell of a segue. Yeah. How about it? Um This is a movie starring uh Robert Pattinson. I was getting a lot of good notices out of last year, and I finally got a chance to catch up on it because it's on uh, Amazon Prime. This is a, a a movie, an indie movie, low budget. That was, it's like a crime thriller. It, yeah. It's shot and reminds me what I liked about it so much was the style. It kind of reminded me of like the uh, the seventies thrillers, like the Gene Hackman. Um, style thing like uh or even like a dog day afternoon yeah it has a certain flair to it that i really liked and the score was good as well and uh robert pattinson from twilight now he's proven since then that he's a really good actor and he continues to do so here this might be the best performance of his career one of the best performances of the year uh he plays this guy connie constantine for long, that's the opposite of for sure. Uh, and uh, his his brother is a little mentally handicapped, and uh, they're like, but they're helping each other to rob a bank. And the brother gets caught and sent to jail. Basically, the movie is like him trying to get it, like get his brother out, right? Yeah. But obviously, some shit goes wrong. And it's just about, like, it's all in one night, basically. plays out in one night where his journey of getting in trouble with the the bank robbery attempt, trying to break his brother out from prison, and all the shit that ensues after that. And, uh, yeah, like, the main character, not a great guy, but (laughs) good performance, and I don't know. It's, It's a really interesting movie. I would recommend it. I think you would probably like it. Really? Let's check it out. Yeah, but um, I gave it like a heavy 7.5 out of 10. I didn't think it was as amazing as some people seem to have, but I yeah. definitely enjoyed it. Good movie. Sweet. And la- <laughs> sweet. lastly, I watched Black Panther. Yeah. But I kind of I kind of want to hold off on discussing right. it until you can watch it, hopefully as soon as possible. Yep. But uh, I, like it. I took my son Brady with me. Uh, oh, nine, yeah. nine a.m. in the morning on Sunday. Uh, yeah, and he for Christmas he got a bunch of superhero like I don't know, ten Gosh. inch, twelve inch action figures, and one of them was a Black Panther. Oh, so a couple of days leading up to it, I was like, "It's Black Panther!" Like playing with that doll, the action figure, and I showed him the trailer. I was like, "You want to see this movie?" He's like, yeah, yeah. Black Panther. So, 
got him excited. He brought the, the toy with him to the theater. Uh, and he got a, he, he lasted a good while. And I had to go buy some Reese's Pieces with like a half an hour left to kind of yeah. get him through the rest of the movie. But uh, it was a good time. It was a good time. I, yeah. I love the movie. I'll say that. I think it lives up to the hype, which yeah. there's plenty of. 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. Box office just destroying it. Made $235 million over the four-day weekend. And I want to say it's like the third, fourth best opening weekend of all time, which in February, that's unheard of. Yeah. But I'm happy for it, especially because if you remember our 2018 prediction show a few weeks back, yeah, I said... Black Panther is going to be the highest grossing movie or superhero movie of the year. It might just flat out be the the biggest movie of the year period at this rate. Yeah. So I'm happy for it. It's nail on the head there. You know, like I said, when we get them right, we're going to bring it up. When we get them wrong, you'll never hear it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, let's move on. Transition to the TV side of the TV shows. What? Um... Celebrity Big Brother started. You said you were going to watch this with me. <laughs> you, you failed me miserably. Could have seen that one coming. Yeah, I definitely saw that one coming. But uh, <laughs> our boy Chuck Liddell, like I was telling you. Uh, first of all, the show's been really good. Uh, although a few disappointing things I can mention that it's been surprisingly great in the sense that these people just pick up the game we're playing hard and like they seem to actually care and to actually play the game yeah really cool to see the celebrities and i love the fast pace i love how you know it's only three like the finale is sunday and i haven't we hadn't even talked about it yet um i like that about it uh because big brother as much as i love it it can become a drag and when you get seven eight weeks in and there's still like seven or eight people left in the game yeah. Just kind of drags on and get can get predictable for long stretches, but this is really cool. My only oh god, I keep kicking the desk. Uh, there's been two quits basically on what could have been exciting episode like blind sides and like if they would actually let these people quit, it wouldn't be as big a deal. But because they're like, if you quit, you're not getting your money. It like forces them to quote unquote stay in the game, but then convince like cry and complain to the people like, come on, I want to go home, send me home, send me home. So they just give them their wish when they were gonna. They were set to be great blindsides and great strategic action. Uh, so that is disappointing, but despite right. that, still very enjoyable. Why would you sign up for the show if you're gonna quit? Just money? I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> it sucks. Why would you cast someone? that you know is a risk of that because yeah it's tough but there are people that are are down to do it and people that pretty clearly you could see ahead of time they were not but uh the two they're not officially quitters because they got voted out of the out of the game but keisha knight pulliam rudy from the cosby show was first uh not this monday but last because her breast milk supply was running low, and the pump they gave her wasn't working very well. <laughs> and then Metal World Peace pieced out. Uh, 
this Monday because well, from the very beginning, that's Ron Artest, the basketball player? Yeah, I know. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, he's been missing his... Well, he's horny for his wife. He has been since he got in there. He's like, I want to kiss her on 20 different places all over her body. <laughs> like, when he, he, he got out, I guess, even though there's only six days until the finale, like, it was not that much longer to go. Anyway, they're gone. Also, Shannon Elizabeth, my winner pick, got voted out because she just was playing too too hard, too fast. She was good. She won the first two competitions. That really? put a big target on her back. She didn't stand on one leg while doing the chicken dance. Nope. You don't <laughs> even know what you're talking about. She had to... I know. She had to hold on to a giant statue as it floated in the air. <laughs> yeah. Don't be a jerk, okay? Uh, our boy Chuck Waddell was the first person eliminated. Is that because he has zero brain cells left? No, actually, he did nothing wrong. He was actually, I won't say like great at the game, but he was good. He was good on there. He was like, the problem was Shannon Elizabeth got first head of household, and the target was this guy, James Maslow, who was the big-time rush guy, the Nickelodeon. He's the youngest, most in shape, like, I guess. And he's a douche, flat out. He's, yeah. he's a douche. But uh, that's who they wanted gone. And Chuck, it was either going to be Chuck or Mark, just to put another guy, or Meta, to put up another guy against him. To, you know, just as like a pawn, because someone has to be up there. Yeah. And uh, it was Chuck. But they, everyone loved Chuck. He let... The girls put an avocado mask on him and give him a fake nail. And, like, I mean, he just was playing along, you know, doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And then, out of his control, uh, there was just a flip. And they they wanted to work with this guy, James, now. Because they're flipping on Omarosa. And he was just happened to be the guy on the other side. And that was that. Son of a bitch. Yeah, pretty crazy. R.I.P. Yeah, but no, it's it's fun. Uh, it's gonna there's there's an episode tomorrow, there's an episode Friday, and then the finale is Sunday. Who's left? There's, let's see. There, I think there's seven people left. There's Omarosa, gotcha. who's actually surprisingly, I mean, she's making headlines with all this stuff she's saying about the White House, but she's actually pretty good at the game. Surprisingly, yeah, she's very adept at it. Uh, like her more than I ever thought I would. Just as a reality TV contestant on Big Brother. Yeah. Um, there's Ross. Uh, he's playing good, but he's he's got a big target on his back. There's Marissa, the Broadway actress. There's Brandy Glanville, the real housewife. There's... Well, Colombian. Colombian, yeah. Ariadna Gutierrez, she is the best player in the game by far. Really? Yeah, she's really good. Like, I think that was my pick to win. You're a genius. Not mm. only is she beautiful, she is really smart and really cutthroat. Like, everyone loves her because she's like friendly with everybody, but then she's the one that's like <laughs> manipulating uh, Marissa to get her to do what she wants by saying, what would your son do in this situation? 
And then when she says like she would vote he would tell me to vote out Ross, who likes her biggest ally, he's like, Well, who do you want to disappoint? Ross <laughs> or your son? Like she's a badass. And, uh, I guess you have to be pretty witty to be uh Miss Universe. I guess. I got a whole new respect, man. But uh, no, she's great. And then there's Mark McGrath and James Maslow. And that's it. Seven people left. I'm back for Miss Columbia. Me too. And uh, probably not for the same reason. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll let you know who wins on the next episode. All right. You've been watching be any like television? Bated breath. What's yeah, that? I know. Don't hold your breath. Have you been watching any other television? I've been watching some of the Olympics, yeah. Um, watch Sean White and the Epic Gold. See any of that? I saw he did like back to back 1080s or something like that. Back to back like 12 somethings and back to back 14 somethings. Oh, uh, yeah. I saw I saw a clip on Facebook or something, yeah. yeah. Well, his first run was awesome. I. Don't know exactly what he did. And then this young Japanese kid came out of nowhere and threw down an incredible run, take over the lead. Um, and there's three runs you get, and the best score is your winner. And Sean White, his second run, falls during a trick. So, it, And based on qualification, the qualification determines the order of people, and Sean White had won the qualification, so he was last to go. Um, the Japanese kid. Uh, fell on his third run, so his second score was the one that stood. And Sean White came down and came out and threw a legendary run out. Like I said, two twelve hundred somethings and two fourteen hundreds in a row. Um, That's awesome. And uh, yeah, one. I'm not, not a very big, emotional. It was very cool. I'm not a big Sean White fan, but yeah, I mean, I've never really been either. Um, uh, there's some like controversy going on about him. Which I don't really know much about, but me either. I it was just, cool to see him after he had had like a career almost life threatening injury, uh, like a year or two ago, and he came back and uh, won the gold. I just don't like his face. <laughs> Flat out. That's a great reasoning. No, I don't know. Something about him has always been like I'm not rooting for him. Yeah, uh, and I also watched the U.S. men's hockey team. I think it was last night beat Slovakia in the playoff rounds to go on. I'm not exactly sure who we're uh, playing next, but we uh, we looked great. We dominated them. I don't know what the final score was. The last I saw it was 4-1, to one and we were playing great. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely rooting for USA to kick some Canadian ass, hopefully. And sure. Wayne Golden. Sure. Uh, what about that crazy story where they announced like the the medalist for an event, but they didn't realize someone was still left to go, and then they they ended up having the best time or something? Really, I didn't even know that. Some kind of skiing event, downhill skiing, skiing or something. I was watching uh, the luge event, like where they go down on the sled, like super fast. Yeah, and I don't, I know Canada was one of the countries. Um, I don't know who the other one was, but it was like they were down by like a tenth in their last run, and they came down. It was like, I mean, that's to like the a thousandth of a second, and it was a dead heat tie. They both got gold medals. Um, wow! And of course, I don't. It's the winter Winter Olympics. Everybody seems to go crazy for uh, curling. Yeah, it is fun. The only time it ever gets some airtime. Yeah, it is cool to watch. But uh, yeah, I was. That's the only like the only thing I've watched. 
There's a little bit of yeah. curling. It wasn't like by design. It's just what was on when I happened to pop it on. I haven't been too interested in the. Yeah, uh, I'm not not really either. I, like I said, I just watched a little bit of it here and there. It was funny. I was at the bar with my friends and we were watching curling and had a few beers and my friend went and put a dollar in the jukebox and played the national anthem and we were all standing there drunkenly singing the national anthem while watching curling. <laughs> That's the life right there. Right. Party hardy, buddy. <laughs> well, you were watching the the Winter Games. I was watching the Bachelor Winter Games. Sounds like fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guilty pleasure viewing for sure. I mean, I wouldn't watch it if Sam didn't want to watch it. But I can't lie, I do get invested, and uh, it is highly entertaining in a trashy, dramatic way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is basically just, <laughs> they call it the Winter Games, but these little contests that they do are, like, so inconsequential, and, like, it's basically just an excuse to do a winter version of their other show, Bachelors in Paradise, where it's a bunch of... You know, people trying to to hook up, find love. Yeah, with roses and shit. It's 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 if you like that sort of thing, it's pretty good. But it's I mean, I remember watching those shows back in the day with like my mom. It's just like the other guy or girl gets to go on dates with ten different women, make out with them all. Yeah, it's just a crazy concept for a TV show. And meanwhile, like this Bachelor Games is in addition to the regular Bachelor that's going on. So it's like six (laughs) six hours a week. Right now, Bachelor stuff. Uh, yeah, but last night we were, we were watching The Bachelor, the regular Bachelor, and it's the final four. Hometowns, right? Hometown dates where the guy oh. goes to their, meet He's their families. Famous. Right. Final four people. These, like, in the finale's in two weeks. Okay. Yeah. I was like, there's this moment where... Oh, it's Lauren, and I'm going to meet her family. And you know, our first two dates were really great. Like, this is the third date they've ever been on. <laughs> and it's like, he's going to ask, potentially ask her to marry him in two, in two episodes. God, what a great concept. Yes. No, I'm shocked it doesn't work out more often, you know? Right. <laughs> But anyway. God, that reminds me of the show uh, where, like, it's kind of like a bachelor concept, but all these women think he's a millionaire. Yeah, and Joe they, Millionaire, and, or, like, um, yeah, I, I, I know, I, I know and what you're Yeah, talking. after he picks a girl, he's like, yeah, I'm really just, like, a firefighter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking, I would love to Joe be a Shrub? person that comes. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah. Apparently there's like this one show that guy in my work is into that uh, is like uh, Married at First Sight where it's like we're ninety oh, yeah, day fiance. They or, like meet while they're walking down the aisle. Yeah, like their first date is they're getting married and then they have to try to make it work. <laughs> and they have to make it a certain amount of time or else they give the money back. <laughs> it's pretty insane. <laughs> Never seen I feel it, like though. that would be pretty fucking easy to do. Like, all right, let's just grit and bear it, get the paycheck. <laughs> yeah, grit and bear it. That's always what you want out of marriage. 
<laughs> Sounds like marriage to me. Sounds like my marriage. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've watched a couple of things that aren't reality trash as well. Uh, I tried to watch Altered Carbon, that new sci-fi show on Netflix. Yeah, Dave liked it. What did you think about this? I didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, it wasn't terrible. It's it's so hard with TV because yeah. literally every week there's something new and it has to grab me or else I, I'm just I can't like time, like yeah. even if it's something I did want to watch like the Punisher show on Netflix the Marvel that's the first Marvel Netflix show I haven't watched I just for whatever reason didn't have a chance to watch it that first week or two it came out and now I see it there and I'm like nah there's something that's coming out newer that I want to see you know, I feel yeah. like I'm never going to watch it now. I just missed on that couple week stretch where I had the chance to check it out. And, but yeah, I, I'm I'll, terrible. But like, I love Counterpart now. I like, uh, only two episodes in, and I have two or three to catch up on. Yeah. Which I plan on doing, but I just, my, uh, I'm just a spacehead when it comes to keeping out with TV shows. Yeah. I, I, always, mean, I usually just, like, wait till I can binge watch them. That's why I. I really like Netflix shows. Yeah, I agree. But it is kind of this thing. Like, I really enjoyed Narcos Season 1. We reviewed it on the podcast. Really, really liked it. Haven't watched it since. Yeah. Haven't seen the newest two seasons. Same with... Uh, season Bo- 2 is awesome also. Season I 3 I watched like an episode or two and I fell off. I've heard. I've heard. And uh, I really like BoJack Horseman on Netflix. But I haven't watched <laughs> since Season 2. It's like, these are shows that... I know I would like if I watched. It's just, I don't know. Oh, I did watch uh, Glenn Harrison's new show. I didn't talk about this show, right? I don't think so. What's it called? AP Bio? No, definitely not. Oh, man. It's uh, Glenn Harrison from Always Sunny. Patton Oswald. Basically, Glenn Harrison's a high school teacher for AP Bio. He's like an acclaimed philosopher or something, but he, I mean, he's like Dennis character to a fool. He's just a fucking maniac. He's yeah. Just taking this job as a high school teacher to, he got passed up for a job at Harvard. Now he's trying to mentally break his nemesis. who's the guy that got the job and he's just crude and fucking hilarious. I think the first episode is free on YouTube. You should check it out. I think it's on like ABC or NBC, but right. I watched the first episode. It's pretty fucking hilarious. All right, I like uh, I like that dude. Yeah, I mean it's it's a lot. It's like it's like his character Dennis quite a lot, like the sociopathic crazy, but nice. uh, also hilarious. But yeah, altered carbon. Uh, I forgot. I never even talked yeah. to you. Um, I don't know. It wasn't terrible. It just. I kind of like the aesthetic, and I like the the actor that played, uh, shoot, I can't remember his name now for some reason, but the guy from The Killing, I like him, and I, I just I just couldn't care enough to about what was going on. It was a little too plot-heavy. Yeah. Whatever reason, just didn't sink its hooks into me, so I, I'm probably not going to go back to it, but I've heard decent things about it. Yeah, Dave was pretty hyped on it, but Dave watches a million shows that I've not been into a few of quite a lot of Yeah. Uh, I started another new Netflix show, Everything Sucks. Yeah. This is a it's more like a half an hour long comedy drama type thing. 
It's uh, basically, you know how everything is 80s nostalgia. Yeah. This is 90s nostalgia. Oh, okay. It's like, uh, it's like uh, Freaks and Geeks, but in the 90s. Yeah. Basically is what the premise is. And I've watched the first two episodes, and I probably will watch all of this. Uh, I don't love it, but I'm enjoying it. And you'll probably know why when I tell you that <laughs> Oasis has been like a huge plot point in the first two episodes. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like this uh, – it's about these freshmen coming in to high school and how they're integrating into this, this, this school. And this kid is like into this chick and they're – they're in like uh, the AV club or AV something together, and like. Wonder where they got that from. I don't know. Well, that's where the kids in Stranger Things are. Oh, really? Books. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. It's it's kind of predictable in that way, but yeah, uh, anyway, uh, he gets the girl to come back to his house with him because he's going to fix this camera or something, and. My guy. Well, nothing happens, but they checked him. <laughs> they checked him out, and there's a Columbia House. Uh, remember that? Columbia House. Yeah, the thing where it was like, for a penny, you can get ten CDs. Oh yeah, yeah. Give him out, and uh, he opens it, and it's Oasis. What's the story, Morning Glory? And she's like, Oh, new Oasis. I heard it's supposed to be really good. And he's like, Yeah, but I already have it. Uh, this Columbia house is bullshit. Like, uh, you want it? Okay, yeah, sure. And then later on, she's listening to Don't Look Back in Anger on her headphones as, like, a really important character beat uh, moment is happening. And it's just really well, really well uh, integrated into the to the episode. Yeah. I lo- you know I love that. And then the second episode... He uh, he wants to profess his love for her, ask her out, basically. And he deals about it in this grand way of redoing the Wonderwall music video with him singing to her <laughs> and playing it over the school. So Wonderwall is a big part of the second episode, so you know I love that. Basically, you're saying this show could be total trash, but... But because they now I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's certainly a possibility. Like, <laughs> no, it's not. It's not bad. It's not amazing, but I think it's fun. Uh, there's some annoying things. Like, I feel like it's trying too hard sometimes with the, like the nostalgia. Like, it's just trying to throw as many things at you as possible. But yeah. through it all, I'm enjoying it. It's it's worth checking out if if it sounds interesting. But I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll check back once I'm done the whole thing. And the only other thing I've watched is we started watching season one of The Good Place, which I've heard a lot of good things about. I think I've just finished season two in real time, but season one is on Netflix. Have you heard of it? No, I have not. I think it's a NBC show. Uh, Kristen Bell plays some a chick who's, who died, and now she's in The Good Place. Uh, it's kind of like a, the afterlife. It definitely is the afterlife, but it's it's uh, you know it's like a sitcom. It's made by the guy that did Community, not Community. Jeez, that's wrong. Uh, Parks and Rec, The Office, and 
okay. Brooklyn Nine Nine, <clears throat> and it's like you know the Christians got like ten percent of it right, the Hindus got to the you know everyone like got a little bit of it right, but really <clears throat> we took the best of the best, and they get they go to the the good place, the best people. Like there's a formula. <clears throat> you yeah. do enough good acts, and you get to go to the good place. Everyone else goes to the bad place, <laughs> and uh, it's not heaven and hell. But but Kristen, the the whole thing is Kristen Bell plays a character who was a complete like terrible person in the real world, and she's like, I'm not supposed to be here. <clears throat> but and that's basically I'm six episodes in to season one. It's only like twenty minutes episodes. Yeah, <clears throat> but uh, stuff starts going wrong because because she's there because something isn't right and that's the the whole thing so far. I've heard great things about the show. I am enjoying it. Uh, maybe not to the level that I was expecting, but maybe I think I heard <clears throat> it just gets better and better. Yeah, I mean, I like Kristen Bell. Yeah, I've never been a huge fan. But yeah, I'm gonna keep keep watching that as well. Yeah, nice. Uh, did you have any video games to talk about? I've been playing a lot of Fortnite. Fortnite, Fortnite, Fortnite. Pretty addicted to it. Although I've these motherfuckers have an incredible business plan. I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's a free to play game, and there's these skins. You know how the game works. Yep, uh, yep. It costs twenty dollars a piece for skins. Yeah. 20 15 to 20 dollars wow. and it's like they released a new one for valentine's day uh, and there's a new battle pass starting soon which basically is uh just another way to get people to pay money and god what a genius like i just i haven't spent any money on it i just played for free but people to fork money out for this shit i mean they must they make triple what you would make for just charging for a video game yeah, that's the new thing. It's yeah. gaining that, momentum. I think I heard a report, something like... Uh, Red Dead's going to have the Battle Royale. Is that right? Yeah, the new Red Dead's going to have the Battle Royale. Well, I pre- that was another one. Well, that was an easy one. But that was another one of my predictions that every game imaginable yeah, is going to have a Battle Royale. Thing. But I think I saw that something like, I want to say, you know... Who's Valve, right? Valve, or one yeah, some see, yeah. some company that makes a lot of games and stuff. Like they just say they made two billion in profit off games or something. Yeah, they made eight billion in. Uh, these numbers are not what's important. They made like so much more money from the microtransactions than the actual yeah, it's game. Insane. Yeah, I mean so, that's like the new thing. Video game world these days, and you could thank EA for that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's I actually saw something really funny on Facebook today. It's like, I know, you ever seen like videos like honest trailers? Yeah, like that. Yeah, it's like an honest trailer for PUBG Battlegrounds, and it's just hilarious. It's like if you're into wandering around for thirty <laughs> minutes to find guns just to get fucking shot immediately in the back. <laughs> This game is for you and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. <clears throat> and, oh shit, I was going to say something amazing, probably. But I can't <laughs> it must have been great. Yeah, it must have been amazing. 
fuck? Uh, anyway, I, I guess I could just talk about what I played. All right. I bought a new game on the, the Switch. Heard a lot of good things about this. I sounded up my alley. It's called Night in the Woods. It's yeah. like, um, like a, a side-scroller, story-based, story-driven game. I don't think there's really any action in it whatsoever uh, about this. But it's all like uh, the characters are animals, right? It's a very cartoony, yeah. 2D visual style. Great. Looks great. Um, the writing in it is good. But at first I'm like, what? I was not feeling it at all. I mean, I paid yeah. the 20 20 25 dollars for it i'm like man i really hope this picks up because i don't know about this game <laughs> i thought i would love it just because it sounded like it's supposed to tackle some pretty deep uh stuff and story driven which i like no action which i love and uh <laughs> like, i don't know but then I, I just kept playing it i'm like well i bought it i gotta keep playing it gotta get my money's yeah. worth then i just kept playing it kept playing it and I didn't want to stop. And then the next day, or pretty much every day since I stopped playing it, I haven't had a chance to play it in a while. It's like all I can think about. Like the characters and what's going on and I want to see what happens next. So I guess, you know, it's working. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, a testament to it. I mean, it's like a inception. Like uh, I didn't even know I was loving it. Until it was too late. <laughs> it, yeah. Like a tractor beam. No, it, yeah. It starts <laughs> off slow, but it, it's really cool. It's funny, but it, it does, it kind of, it's about this this girl who's dropped out of college. She's a college dropout. You don't really know why. At least I don't play in the game. I'm not that, I'm like two hours into it, I think. Yeah. I, I don't know why she's a college dropout, but she's back in her hometown and she's been away from her friends and stuff for like a year or so. And it's about her trying to reintegrate. And apparently there was a big incident where she put someone in a hospital in this hometown at some point. And so you're trying to figure out what's going on with that. And then you go to a party and you're just like binge drinking. And, you know, you start it starts to reveal like these these things about the characters. And yeah. like tackles, what is this like, called? Uh, Night in the Woods. Oh, I thought you said you were animals. You are. Oh. But they're like humanoid. Like, oh, okay, gotcha. It acts, it treats them like they're just, you know, regular people, but they're like foxes and, you know, yeah, gotcha. stuff like that. And uh tackles like depression and there's a journal and relationship with the parents. I don't know. It's it's really, it's really good. Surprisingly good after, after an hour or two. I really start to see why it got such good reviews. Yeah. And I still can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> I will say, uh, coming out right after my birthday, which hope my brother's really look out for me here. Shout out. Uh, a way out. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, my sleazebag brothers probably won't buy it for me, so I'll probably buy it. <laughs> So, <laughs> uh, I'm really pumped about that game. Uh, definitely expect a full review shortly um, after that comes yeah, out. Yeah, I'm really hoping you get a chance to play it because I'm really, really interested to see how it is. Yeah. It looks awesome. Definitely. What was I going to say? Uh, 
<laughs> anyway, okay, it can't be that important. If it is, I'll bring it up another time. So let's figure out what we're going to do next week. Uh, I brought a few possibilities to the table. All right. We can promise the world and under-deliver. It's always a possibility. <laughs> um, yeah, so we... Your tagline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> promise the world, under-deliver. <laughs> That's so catchy. <laughs> we brought up Phantom Thread as a possibility. Yeah. The number one, if it was possible, would be Black Panther, since it's so hot right now. We really yeah. could uh, just, you know, use that cultural relevance to launch ourselves into a stratosphere. <laughs> <laughs> but no, if you can get out to it, you, that'd be awesome. If not, right. we'll get around to it. You know, it's not, yeah, I mean, it's not it, going anywhere. Next week and maybe the week after. Right, exactly. Uh, also, Mute is coming out on Netflix on Friday. That's a movie I'm anticipating. I'm definitely going to try to watch it at the minimum. So it'll at least be something for what else I watched. But yeah. if you get a chance, check it out. Maybe we could review that. Uh, I had Blade Runner 2049 as a possibility. Actually, I really want to watch that. Dave told me I had to see the first one to understand it. Is that true? I don't necessarily think it's true. I probably wouldn't hurt. Yeah. You know? And we could maybe do a double review. Review the original and... The new one. Yeah. That would be kind of cool. Is the original is just as good? I don't think so, but a lot of people do. Like, I yeah. I would rewatch it uh, if we if that was an option. Okay. Um, also, we could get around to Killing of a Sacred Deer. Or, yeah. or we could push... That one doesn't seem as crucial. We could probably push that one back. What do you think? What are your thoughts here? Uh, I mean, I'm definitely into Phantom Thread. I would, I'd like really want to watch that. Okay. Uh, I do want to watch uh, Blade Runner. I know there's that's out there too. Uh, you don't want to so shoot. Really, don't want to shoot our entire load on uh, one episode, but I do want to get to all these. So <laughs> I was going to make a crude joke, but I'll skip that. Um, I would. I'm, I, I would say I'd be more interested in doing Phantom Thread for this week. Um, Pending me seeing Black Panther. Okay. I, I like that. Um, Man, yeah. Uh, we can definitely get around to Blade Runner. You know, that'll definitely be one soon. Yeah. But, yeah, priorities, man. Our docket full here. Yeah, Phantom Thread. So, this is the last week before Oscars. We got to get some of these Oscar movies out of the way. It makes a lot of sense to do Phantom Thread next. Right, cool. I would like to request maybe a secondary option uh, review for Mute. If you right. have a chance. Yeah, yeah. Once it come out Friday, you said? Friday, yeah, on Netflix. Or Killing of a Sacred Deer. Either one. I would, I don't know. It doesn't, it's not essential, but. Yeah, yeah. Let's get a secondary. I would, I'm going to go for mute, because we can always do the other ones at a later date. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's, that's cool. That'll work. And we have to review the entire game of Monster Hunter World. It takes 100 hours to beat. So. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get that. <laughs> no. on that. <laughs> no, I have no interest in that game. No, I don't even know what it's about. <laughs> you are in the dirt. You're like <laughs> an ostrich, bro. Brooks the You're ostrich failing. Playing Fortnite and Fortnite only. <laughs> yes. And in a fortnight or less, we'll be back. Yep. I think a fortnight is two weeks. So... 
in half of a fortnight, we will return <laughs> with our review of Phantom Thread and maybe, possibly, probably mute. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Phelan to Podcast. I'm on Twitter, Phelan to Tweet. I'm on Twitter, not at all, but at Brooks Phelan. <laughs> yes, indeed. And we will see you on the flip side next time in Overdrive. How about them apples? Yeah.
Sim.